Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 70 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. In the 80s and 90s you could hardly move through town for badly dressed punks being flying kicked by vigilantes with terrible haircuts. Fortunately these events were documented for posterity by such games as Renegade, Double Dragon, Final Fight and Sega's Streets of Rage series. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Darren Foreman. Hey, guys. Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And Dan Clark of the AI Bots podcast. Do I have to say, hey, guys? Hey, guys. Apparently you do. It's the, it's the latest thing. Unless it's a combo break well, That's what I say on every episode, and Darren sort of trampled on me by stealing it. So. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm just trying to... <laughs> I know, it's understandable. It's all a bit friends It's the homogenisation of podcasts as we know it. It's all a bit 90s American sitcom. So, uh, Streets of Rage, we're doing the trilogy. We're mainly talking about the Mega Drive or Genesis games, if you're American. Um, we will give a nod to uh, various conversions. But we're also going to talk a little bit about the brawler genre, and uh, or progressive beat-em-up, if you prefer. Uh, some people do. Brawler seems to have become the standard name. Uh, so, as far as I can remember it i think the the genre was probably inspired by the the film the warriors uh, the 1979 movie which eventually in the mid 2000s would become a game in its own right um i don't know do you think there are any other there was another reason why these uh scrolling beat-em-ups kind of became a thing in the 80s and 90s was it just that the tech allowed it and you know obviously we'd come We'd seen Karate Champ and where the Exploding Fist and these sort of stat- yeah Kung Fu. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you had games like Kung Fu as well, which I think might have been out before the Warriors. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there obviously was an up and down kind of angle to the side scrolling, but it was left to right. So. Yeah. Um, so the first game I remember that scrolled while you kicked things was uh, Kung Fu Master, which was uh, known, which was uh, called Spartan X in its original Japan. Um, that's by Irem, who we probably know best for the likes of R-Type. And that was 1984. And I remember playing that as a kid in uh, seaside arcades. Um, can anyone remember a game before that? I know I'm the oldest person here uh, where you walked as you punched rather than uh, just stayed on a static or slightly scrolling screen I'm sure that there is one on say the Atari 2600 or Uh something like that but I wouldn't be able to name it or or guarantee it and it wouldn't have been a brawler as we know it anyway it just would have been a a walking along hitting things but not with a sort of kung fu style I don't think Jordan Mechner's Karateka or Karateka uh, was also 1984 um, I don't know which came first, but that really wasn't a scrolling beat 'em up in the sense that uh, you went, you were, you did a screen and then you fought someone, and then you went onto the next screen and then you fought someone else. So in a way, it was it was much like uh, International Karate or something like that. Um, that was remade for the downloadable services last year in a but in a very different style. Um, there are some kind of games that they're not not really scrolling games. Like the thing is, I'm remembering certain. Like really old Spectrum games, which I'm not 100% sure about now. Um, like Bruce yeah. Lee, which was actually a flip screen, so that wouldn't have been one. 
as a platform game, really. Bruce yeah. Lee, Data and, uh, East. Uh, that was also nine. Uh, Data Soft or Data East, I forget. Um, that was yeah, that was nineteen eighty four as well. I think Bruce Lee, uh, maybe even eighty five. Um, yeah, Way of the Tiger. Um, yeah. And I just and remember Avengers. what else was actually made in nineteen seventy nine. So seventy nine. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So um, the interesting now, thing with Kung Fu Master mm. is that I think anyone who put their money in lost their first coin through not knowing to wiggle the stick when they when they jump on you. I always thought that was quite a <laughs> yeah. sneaky uh, mechanic to throw in. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, after you'd worked out uh, that first level um, and then you get onto the next level where it also involves ducking fire-breathing dragons and stuff. Um, that was that was a game where there was uh, an absolutely uh, specific set of joystick and button inputs that you had to put in in the right order to finish the game. There, that, that game had no room for any sort of uh, improvisation, really, as such. If you wanted to do well, you just had to, uh, you know, punch, 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 and then kick, 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 and then dunk, and then and, and so on and so forth. There's a nice risk-reward risk reward for getting... Um, you get more points for punching. Is that right? So That's you, right. If you let them get a little bit closer than, than using right. kick. That was that was your main option, yeah. So I guess uh, what if you watched like a high score uh, video, you'd see somebody doing a lot more punching than kicking. But yeah, um, I remember. I think I think it may have been IRM again, but I'm not 100 percent sure. There was a game called Vigilante a few years later, which was uh, fantastic. Kind of, um, that was sort of uh, like a, a more a slightly isometric looking cartoony sort of take on the same genre yeah, um, but it I always took it as a sort of pseudo sequel to, yeah. to Kung Fu yeah, being the same, same developer and, what and on top yeah. of that it was also one of the g- games that had uh, nunchucks on it yes it did uh, before, before the ban and yeah. obviously we're now after the ban we'll talk a little bit about uh, western censorship and stuff as regards to the Streets of Rage games because there's some interesting stuff in there um, now a game that perhaps I don't know. Was it a was it a side scrolling beat 'em up? But this is a really interesting one that I'd never really heard of before. A game called Flash Gal, nineteen eighty five. Sega, um, a precursor, a genuine precursor to Bare Knuckle or Streets of Rage. And it was a side scrolling beat 'em up. You did have like um, punching moves, flying kicks. It's it's very much Sega's version of Kung Fu, but with more more stuff going on. It's kind of like a shmup meets a brawler, really. Mm-hmm. Well, lots of projectiles, lots of things coming. It's got shmup levels, so it's almost like right. one of those ocean film games where it suddenly jumps genre in between stages. But so this features Blaze from Streets of Rage, or later from Streets of Rage. Yeah, or someone dressed very similarly with yeah. very similar moves and uh, animations and what have you. A, a lot of fans think that it is an early uh, prototype for the Blaze character and a boss who looks like uh, Mr. X. Yeah, yeah. In the title screen, he's even sitting in that big old chair with his legs crossed, with his two henchmen either side. It's, um, if you, if anyone out there wants to have a look at the title screen for Flash Girl, I think you'll see that there are similarities. It's not just us being weird. There yeah. are <laughs> genuine yeah, yeah. similarities there. Well, I mean, I'm um, looking at it right now, and some of the sprites look almost taken right from the Street Ridge series. Mm. Yeah. Like, you've got one on Blaze on a motorbike here, and although she doesn't get on a motorbike, um, I have seen, like... Images that had been ripped and unused in the final games, and it's the exact same sprite, more or less. Yeah, there was Definitely a, a motorbike place. section for Streets of Rage Three that was removed, but you can access it still if you've got um, like with the action replay cheats or um, yeah. certain hacked versions. 
So this is uh, this was a coin op, was it in in eighty five? Yeah, it was. Yeah, never got a home yeah, version. It, lo- it looks like the same sort of coin op tech that Sega used, probably around Choplifter sort of time. Um, so it's kind of a bit maybe slightly less powerful than a Mega Drive, something like that. Yeah, um, so in between a master, master system, master system cell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. reminds me of my hero, um, which is another mm. Sega kind of scrolly beat 'em up from the same time. Yeah, uh, is it is it available on Mame? I assume it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, works works in Mame fine. Cool. Uh, so, other significant brawlers that people may remember, and feel free to chime in if you have your own memories of this uh, assembled cane rinse panel. Um, so, one of the first ones I remember playing. Uh, th- this 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 was one of the first ones that brought the urban grit, where where Kung Fu Master Spartan X was very much felt like a uh, you know a, a martial arts movie. Um, Renegade or Niketsu Koha Kunio-kun by Technos was the first one I can remember which had the whole sort of gritty uh, inner city graffiti and pounding people's fists into the uh, pounding people's brains into the pavement with your fists and um, yeah chains and blood Um, the arcade version the heads weren't quite so super deformed were they it was the I think it was the the NES version where they were particularly um, massive uh, I, I played a lot of this on the Amstrad. This was one of the four or five um, coin-op conversions where the best version of the three was arguably on the Amstrad CPC 464 as opposed to the Commodore 64 or um, Spectrum, another one being Ikari Warriors, funnily enough. Uh, and also, and of course, that game kind of span off into the Double Dragon series, also by Technos the following year. I mean, really famous game. Um was available on Xbox Live Arcade, no longer is, sadly. Um, and also span off the River City Ransom games, which w- wasn't such a big deal over here, but you hear American podcasters talking about River City Ransom a lot with great fondness. I think it's because it's one of the first games to feature sort of a levelling up structure. Mm, okay, so RPG and fighting. Yeah, and yeah. there's shops. And Every- shops. Everyone loves shops. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that was late 80s, 89 for the just, NES. Just as a quick aside, sh- oh, mm. sorry, just for, just a quick aside, was Renegade the first game where you could hold your opponents? Because obviously that comes into play later in the Streets of Rage games. Um, I it was often like dragging for kneeing them in the head. Yeah, it wasn't really gra- uh, grabbing them, well, it wasn't holding them. Ah, uh, yeah, but, but the double dragon is kind of a, um, a derivative Spiritual of successor, uh, Renegade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, then Data East had their own stab with the fairly famous uh, Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja, um, which I played quite a lot of. Actually, wasn't very good. It was it was absolutely terrible. I think that's probably where my first experience of the the so called brawler genre came in. Playing that on the Amiga, a game I actually fondly remember purely for the title screen, where one of the characters looked remarkably like Peter Beardsley, which is quite unfortunate. But okay, I would say that we're talking about the coin-op, the 1988 Data yes, coin-op, and abs- not, not the terrible Amiga oh, version. Which, which, yeah, which, I've played the coin-op as well, but the Amiga version, yeah. particularly awful. It was. Uh, I believe it was impossible to complete level two because they hadn't included the jump command that you needed to get from trailer from to, to trailer. Truck. That yeah. truck level's great, though. It's... um. An early example of like front-loading games with with the good stuff. Yes, yeah, I think. But a lot of people seem to have fond memories of Dragon Ninja. Um, it's but, got an awesome title. That's about it. Yeah, mm, yeah. I mean, the bad dudes versus was a Western thing that was not in the original Japanese <laughs> going on. Um, Crime Fighters, I remember, nineteen eighty nine by Konami. That was one of their first attempts at the genre, as far as I remember. Um, I remember that being constantly swamped in the arcades of Brighton, but I don't think it's 
sort of gone down in history um, in the same way. I think maybe uh, because it, it wasn't converted to home systems, perhaps is the problem. Also, there were a lot of Me Too kind of titles around this time, weren't there? So I think yeah, there, there are always going to be some that are the ones that are left behind in history and mm. some that we remember. Definitely. And obviously one that is very fondly remembered was also from 1989, Capcom's Final Fight, which is probably the game in its SNES guise that is responsible for Sega making Streets of Rage. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Obviously the SNES version was on its way um, across, uh, it arrived in Japan in 1990, didn't arrive in the UK until 92, but... Um, despite it being a cut-down version of the arcade machine with animation levels and indeed an entire character missing famously, um, it was still, you know, it was a game to be had. Uh, They they did also kind of send out another version, which was Final Fight Guy, where Guy actually reappeared. Indeed, Guy. And I've got to say, this is actually one of the first games that made me want a SNES, because I was down Mm. in Edinburgh um, as a kid, just wandering about and went into the Lannapot shop, and seen Final Fight running in all its almost arcade-like glory. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. Yeah, it was impressive stuff. Um, that game, of course, got followed up with uh, increasingly poor sequels as well, as as did many of these games we're talking about. How did um, every chip shop in the UK manage to have an arcade cabinet of Final Fight? <laughs> mine had Dragon Ninja, funnily oh. mine, mine had Street Fighter, but it only had three punch buttons. Oh, wicked. Crammed into the wrong cabinet. The, um, the Mega CD version of Final Fight's worth a mention. That's um, yes. pretty much arcade perfect. In fact, yeah. um, arcade better, is that the term that people use? It had remixed uh, music, which was really good. Yeah, the, the soundtrack is superb. Real crazy Japanese funk fusion music. And of course, there's the excellent version that came out for XBLM PSN a couple of years ago, uh, which features uh, a bonus, a whole bonus extra game. Uh, the name of which currently escapes me, the platform RPG thing, but it's got Final Fight on there with all the options, bells and whistles you could ask for and drop in, drop out, co-op and all that sort of thing. So that's probably the version to play now rather than going and buying a Mega yeah. CD. And one yeah. of the cool things about that is that it actually emulates old bond arcade cabinets with Phosphor Bond and the like. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's one of the most comprehensive uh, sort of... Um, retro re-releases although the actual the 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 streets of rage collection that is now out on xbla comes close and we'll talk about that later uh konami had another couple of goes with highly licensed uh games or high high profile games teenage mutant ninja turtles in 1989 that was that was a pretty big deal and then they basically remade it with Simpsons sprites for the Simpsons arcade game in 91 uh those games are also available on the downloadable services Uh, Did you you like those back in the day? Yeah. Was it the licenses that sort of brainwashed us a little, or...? They, yeah, they, they certainly didn't have the same crunchy feel as the the, uh, Capcom and Konami games, did they? They always felt a little bit, um, woolly. Yeah, they felt lightweighted in comparison. Yeah, but they did have sort of, quotes, cartoon quality graphics, which definitely helped. And I remember the, the, uh, the soundtrack, the music was always blaring out as you walked into the arcade. And, you know, I remember, I mean, the Simpsons arcade game was big over here in the arcades long before we'd seen the Simpsons on telly, unless you were one of the 14 people with Sky at that point. So, was that a popular game by any chance? I seem to remember. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, re- I remember I actually went to, I was, I was holidaying up in Scotland with my, the Scottish side of my family, and we went to an arcade uh, where they'd just got the Simpsons in. And me being obviously a little kid at the time, Mm. probably what seven eight years old um i was playing it and i was obviously i was left to be marge because 
guys don't want to play as Marge. Um, and I almost sparked a riot in the in the arcade because a guy came across and quite abruptly shoved me off the machine because he was much bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And I spoke up. Scotland is shit. And then... <laughs> I, I spoke up and my two sort of half-cousins, as they were, uh, just ended up kicking off in this arcade, like sticking up for me. And the whole thing just start, started the biggest riot, and it's a shame, really, because that's probably my big overriding memory of playing the Simpsons game in the arcade, <laughs> is that it almost resulted in a in a huge fight. I mean, there was, there was a good 15 people involved in this brawl, and me just sort of hiding around the back of the arcade cabinet. But And that was the magic of arcades. That, and in that fact, really you know, was. That was actually a great illustration of, of the society that I, I alluded to in the intro, where, you know, it was just constant street violence. You know, people talk about knife crime now. It was nothing on the 80s. Oh, it was vicious. <laughs> the haircuts, man. The haircuts are nothing on the 80s either. No, it's indeed. a good job it was two half cousins and not one whole one, because talking about a 14-man brawl isn't the same as a 15-man brawl. That's exactly right. <laughs> Interesting tip for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the arcades. I've never found any details on this on the internet, but huh. there was a cheat, um, which I've never understood for an arcade game to have a cheat that gives you extra lives. Mm. But if you tapped the um, start button in the right rhythm, you know when it says Kawabunga? Mm-hmm. If you tap it in the right rhythm, you get, um, well, up to sort of like 99, I think it is, until the, the counter stops going up. But you can get now, like, now lots and lots of extra that. lives. That rings a, a strange and vague bell. I think you may be onto something there. Um, yeah, there were a few. They, they, often they, these would be put in as, as um, you know, operator modes. Um, but I think so they ended up becoming dip switches. W- widely known. Yeah, like 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 dip switches, but operated in a more crude fashion. <laughs> but yes, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't unheard of for for arcade games to have sort of uh, helping cheats. I'm thinking about like the permanent double rainbows in, in Rainbow Islands and things like that. Anyway, that's a whole nother show. Um, Ca- uh, Capcom carried on their success as they would well into the 90s beyond the Streets of Rage. Um, they came out with Captain Commando in, in 91 in 93. They made The Punisher. After that we had The, the Amazing Alien vs. Predator. Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons games which are fantastic and, and they just kept on doing it. Um, obviously we're talking here mainly about the, the fisticuffs and kicking ones. We're not really talking about the, the Golden Axe style hack and slashers. That's a kind of subgenre as far as I'm concerned. It is but it relates to Streets of Rage quite a lot. It's uh, Streets of Rage based on the same engine as Mega Drive Golden Axe so yeah yeah true. it is related but not in the context we're talking I suppose mm. um, now this uh, I always this strikes me as a kind of game that Darren Foreman would have loved back in the day Crude Buster or Two Crude Dudes you by Data correct. East yeah I knew it <laughs> 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 what was good about Crude Buster aka Two Crude Dudes everything <laughs> you can pick up dwarfs you can pick up tanks <laughs> yeah you could pick I really up just didn't. About anything in that game. I never got on with it for some reason. Um, I'm not convinced it was actually that great a game. It was just the fact that there was so much crazy shit in it that uh, kind of appealed yeah. to young me, you know. Yeah, it was it was clunky, but but a, a bit of good fun with with a mate playing. Yeah, and on top of that, it also had the the fantastic epilogue that every game should have, where the final level you're going up a big fucking lift and you can see the sky in the background, just like the, the skyline, <laughs> and it's just all skyscrapers and blown to shit, and it's just so it is that it hurts. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, like flower and limbo should end with that. I think <laughs> exactly. 
my, my dad actually went to Japan last year and uh, went to Super Potato, you know, the retro shop. Yes. I yes. said to him, please, can you get me a Japanese Mega Drive game? I don't care what it is. I just, I'd just like to have a cheap Japanese Mega Drive game. Nice. And I ended up with Crude Buster, the Japanese cartridge. So, Very good. Yeah, is, so, it, is it a good port? Um, it's not a bad port. It's just very easy. Um, as a lot of mm. arcade conversions were, I suppose, because you've got infinite continues if you choose to use them yeah, and what have you. Um, mm. But it looks very similar. Um, it didn't... I think reviews at the time were kind of middling sixes and sevens. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's because there was just such a predominance of these type of games that it just didn't stand out. And uh, the last one I just wanted to mention, also available on at least XBLA, possibly PSN as well, is the Konami X-Men coin-op, which I think support... Was there, was there a six-player cabinet? Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, which is um, I think supported online in the in the XBLA version, but of course you'll never find five other people playing it. Uh, the feel the feel of that game is very much like the their their previous games, Turtles and Simpsons, but um, it's okay. It's it's all right. So, which brings us on to Streets of Rage. Um, I don't know if anyone has any particular memories of their first experience of Streets of Rage. Mine uh, was going around with friends. He had the Mega Drive that I ended up buying off him when he was short of money. Um, so I played a lot of my formative Mega Drive experiences around at his uh, Castle of Illusion and Sonic the Hedgehog and indeed the first Streets of Rage. And I was taken aback by uh, the audio-visual side of it and I also enjoyed the gameplay, although it always felt a little... Um, the 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 feeling of of punching and kicking was never quite solved solved in the first game, which I think was one of the things that they completely nailed in the sequel. Yeah, the sound um, effect as well. It was kind of like a kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Still to this day, um, but nevertheless, um, because the soundtrack and the graphics and basically it was still really good fun, um, were also amazing. I made it one of the first games I bought when I when I bought that Mega Drive off him. Um, I think my favourite section remains the bit where you're going up in the lift for two reasons. Uh, you're on a giant elevator and you can chuck bad guys over the back of it over and over and over and over and over again <laughs> and they never they never stop falling for it. And also, this is a game uh, with a feature that they removed for reasons which become obvious very soon, which was the special attack, which is uh, press a button and, and you get uh, your police car dudes to come and fire a rocket or... or flame burst at your enemies um, and even when they would come along drive drive along and shoot sort of at a 20 degree angle in the air somehow the projectile would magically arrive on the lift which is 45 floors up a skyscraper well it's trained police officers and I'm pretty sure it goes clean through the building that the lift is attached to absolutely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> interesting uh, that police car is taken from the ending of eSWAT <laughs> It looks very much like it's, an eSWAT. Is it the exact the same sprite? sprite? Yeah. I wish the eSWAT suit was actually in the game. You know, you could thrust oh, around and just... Yeah, there's, some, there's a few crossovers with eSWAT in, in terms of stuff, I, th- I believe, which we'll get onto in a minute. Uh, Dan, do you remember your first experiences with the original Bare Knuckle or Streets of Rage? Yeah, um, I, I remember seeing this in Me Machine Sega in computer and video games in the run-up. And um, the fuzzy screenshots always looked like it was going to be not the final fight beater, but do you know what I mean? It was going to be something similar to that that I could play on my Mega Drive. So I picked it up um, ahead of the uh, European release. I got it on American Import. Yeah, I think it must. It seems to have come out around my birthday in the USA. So I think it must have been one of those birthday money purchases. Um, About August 91, we reckon, release date? Yeah, uh, I think it must have taken a couple of weeks to get from the USA to my little yeah. <laughs> import shop. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I picked it up sometime in the September, I think. Carl, what about you? 
Streets of Rage? Yeah, I was uh, one of those people who had a friend at the end of the street who happened to have the Mega Drive. I had the SNES, so you know, when I wanted to go and play a Mega Drive game, I'd go down there and one day he threw on Streets of Rage, which I'd heard about, and it was you know the, one of the go-to sort of co-op experiences to play. Um, you know, me being a, a, a SNES owner at the time and someone who went to the arcades, I would always sort of try and rile him up with Final Fights this much better and stuff. But it was, mm-hmm. it was obviously it was a really it was a really good game. But if I could get under his skin a little bit, that was you know probably my favourite. You've favorite. not changed, Carl. That's yeah, pretty. I mean, I do I do like to stir a few things, but. It, it was always great fun, and it was it was just obviously a game where you'd complete it and you think, well, do you want to do it again? Uh, you know, so it was mm. it was a perfect fit because you could have it sort of between dinner or playing football. So it was a fab- fabulous friend to play a uh, game to play with a friend. Darren, what about you? My memory is a little bit more hazy, but I remember that I loved Final Fight in arcades, and I owned a Mega Drive at the time, and mm. I'd held some nice things about this one, you know, because it was being kind of hailed as the Final Fight beater at the time. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, so I ended up buying it, ended up loving it, and um, the thing is, like, I also had some friends who were quite uh, happy to come around and play it with me, and there was that fact that you could do, like, co-op moves if you grab your partner, yeah, yeah. Like, th- either throw them into it, or they would Sadly jump Sadly missing from the sequels. Yeah, they would jump up and kick them in the face while you were holding on to them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some really interesting ideas kind of came out of that series, you know? Which is, I mean, even though it's kind of like derivative of Final Fight, it did have its own kind of punch, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think... Like playing Final Fight now, um, even on uh, that uh, excellent download version that we were talking about. Um, I'm pretty sure I played um, it with you, didn't I? Yes, we did play yeah. it through. Yeah, um, I played it through a few times. Some sometimes with randoms, once with a massively tr- uh, trolling idiot. Um, <laughs> uh, but the the thing about Final Fight now is it it's still, um, I, you know, it sort of uh, it has greater graph graphical variety and stuff but uh, and you know the music has its own charm definitely it's a famous soundtrack for for good reason but um i think it feels the actual gameplay of final fight feels very limited and basic compared to even the first streets of rage game there's there's a lot more actual um structure thought planning and strategy of your enemy management in even streets of rage one bare knuckle one compared to final fight which very quickly turns into a sort of spam fest yeah. Is that fair? I think it's quite fair, actually. Um, there is, like, judging and spacing uh, that's important in Final Fight, but there's not really that much depth to it. Yeah, I think the Capcom game, um, I think maybe Sega had the luxury of it being uh, an entirely for-home release, whereas Capcom, obviously, Final Fight was built for the arcades, so the idea is that you know you get as much money put in as possible. So a few stages in, um, the first stage is pretty easy to get people hooked, and then after that, they just start throwing more and more and more sprites at you, and the, the CPS2 technology allows for loads and loads and loads of enemies on screen, so it just becomes this clusterfuck, really. Um, I'm not I'm not slagging off I love Final Fight but I think that Streets of Rage 1 even though it doesn't it lacks in certain areas by comparison I think it's still a slightly more interesting game to play especially the thing with is, I'm those sure it's, it's more measured you know and I'm pretty sure then my variety they've got a better kind of uh, variety of attacks like you've got the kung fu guys and yeah yeah that's what, right what is it with those guys with with mohicans and capes 
that appear in both games. Is that some reference to something Japanese that I don't know about? I've often wondered that. I, I assume it's some sort of depiction of a particular archetype of punk. Yeah, like a street gang. Yeah, yeah street gang, brackets, punk. You also get certain other archetypes of these games are the guys who, um, sorry, the, the women who look basically like hookers with whips. They appear in yep. all these games. I'm sure there's a few others. People in caps. Um I don't know. I don't know. Shaved-headed guys with shades. Yeah. I don't know whether it's influenced by the Warriors or certain 80s movies or certain Hollywood, uh, Hong Stereotypes, Kong Stereotypes, basically, films. you know? Yeah. I'm just kind of thinking about what street punks might look like if they were trying to knife you. And, uh... Yeah. But it's so iconic. All those all those character types. Like if, if some, I think that's one of the things that's been missing from various attempts to bring the genre into the polygon era is that the sprites just haven't had the same level of personality because they tried to make these games at a point we'll talk about some of the 32-bit attempts and and so on later on do we have to yeah the a lot of the <laughs> the the enemy sprites and stuff are, well not sprites but you know uh enemy characters are just very blocky and bland and generic and i think that misses the point so much Let's talk a little about the staff on Streets of Rage. Um, Dan, this is why you're here, uh, among many other reasons. Um, now, I, I've done a little research. We talked about this uh, in terms of finding out who made Sega games before uh, people got credited. Uh, we talked about this on the Castle of Illusion trilogy podcast. Yeah, in fact, a lot of the people are going to be fairly similar to, to those involved. But yeah. it seems that Streets of Rage... Uh, seems to sort of cover its tracks a bit more than some other games doesn't it so as 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 far as as far as we know uh, sega am7 is the widely uh, is under the auspices of auspices of uh, of sega am7 which i suspect is just a made up divisional name for when you get loads of people together to make a game for you you just what should we call them the am7 <laughs> <laughs> yeah we haven't used seven yet yeah because Although the games that they did all seem to sort of have similar style and they use the same sound effects and things like that yeah so I'm not, sure like revenge of shinobi is uh, another am7 game uh, definitely which yeah obviously has links to streets of rage with uh with yuzo kashiro and the sound effects and yeah other little nods yeah totally um yeah, obviously, uh, Yuzo, Yuzo Kashiro's, as we talked about, his, his cottage industry team of Team Ancient, as they would become known. So it's, it's Yuzo Kashiro, the, the musician, um, his mother and his, his sister. sister. Yeah, his sister is like a character designer. Yeah. Just, I, I just, I would love to interview that family. <laughs> just <laughs> be like, they, 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 they're obviously so ludicrously talented. But I've still, I've still not ever understood. Like they were, they were working as Team Ancient under Sega AM7's umbrella, but they were also making games on the SNES at the same time. In the in the shape of um, Act Razor and stuff. I mean, how yeah. does that even work? How is that? Well, I'm not sure possible? how much they actually did on Streets of Rage. I think it's uh, primarily the music and some character designs. Okay. But then you look at the high scoreboard that comes up, yeah. and um, him and his sister are like number one and two. So they must have had. Yeah, maybe greater input than than we can find out about <laughs> in yeah. this day and age. But um, looking on uh, the excellent uh, SegaRetro.org site, um, some other credits are given to HIC, which is a name that crops up a lot in Sega uh, Mega Drive development. Uh, I think they may have been responsible for things like drivers and what we'd now call middleware that kind okay. of thing i'm not sure exciting not sure sexy they were part stuff. Of the sort of creative voice <laughs> yeah i think they might have been more okay. sort of technical team behind it uh shout ow or are they called shout 
Uh, Shout Ow is uh, one of the is the leader of uh, Shout Works. I think it's called Shout Softworks. Yeah, sorry, that's it. Yeah, um, but yeah, Shout Ow appears to be the director of that company when it comes to Streets of Rage. Any idea what they did? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, and also, Ow obviously stands for Overworks. So the sites that say that he is this man ah. uh, are obviously, I think, getting confused with OW being Overworks and thinking it's like this individual person (laughs) so yeah it's all very uh sort of what's the word very tangled but but yeah shout overworks don't appear to have done much as you say outside of helping sega with these various projects at at the time i've also seen it quoted that ancient became overworks but that's not true is it because overworks includes uh is not carried on going a long time after overworks yeah Oh goodness! Here we go again down this rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, another credit is goes to MNM Software, who later became Mindware. Yeah, they're now a pinball company. Okay, good. Um, their, <laughs> their website contains nothing about Streets of Rage. It does say that they started um, in I think 1987. Right. So they were about at that time, but the site only tells you about their pinball history, not their video game history. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so one of the few names can, you can get hold of is uh, the designer Hiro- Hiroki uh, Tinon Chino, uh, also known as There Is No, in inverted commas, accounting for tastes. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> I remember that coming up on the credits, and I was like, what the... It's kind of odd. It's actually I ended up having to go into Google and search for it, thinking that is kind of weird. And it's it is just a terrific sort of nickname. Yeah, um, I wonder if it's ever been. Uh, I wonder if it's ever been called Tina T in the credits for a game. I'm going to search <laughs> out for all Sega games for Tina T because that would be like ah, that's him. So we know that he also worked on eSWAT and Sonic CD, but beyond that, not too much else. Um, Again, eSWAT I believe is another AM7 game. Yeah. Again, having links to Shinobi. They, they, it's, it's, they, it's Shinobi in a robot suit, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and and as uh, which also, and, but there's also confusion there because Shinobi was uh, effectively a ripoff of uh, Namco's Rolling Thunder. <laughs> so yeah, again, it's another subgenre of the scrolling brawler. Very really much. So. up Iswat the arcade game and Iswat the Mega Drive game are quite different. Very different yep. indeed. Yeah, the arcade game is a lot better, but uh, perhaps uh, shorter. Um, yeah, other other credits go to uh, pseudonyms. So d- the designer on Streets of Rage Two is known as Cadmix. Yeah, I couldn't find out anything about nope, this guy. Nothing. And the designer on Streets of Rage 3, Wanter, W-A-N-T-E-R. Nope. And dir- uh, Yeah, that's that's um yeah, his name does crop up in in a number of Sega games and it, there's variations of his name as well. Um that are sort of similar like in, like including the word want. Mm. But again, no one quite knows where it all stands and and how to piece it all together. No. But Hey, maybe we could do a follow-up to this in two years' time once all the nerds have figured out all Wouldn't of these. It'd be amazing if, if <laughs> they just, yeah, just all these people who worked for these Japanese developers at this time just all came out and said, "Look, here's my CV. It's on LinkedIn. Here's everything I ever worked on. Fuck you if you don't want me to tell you." <laughs> yeah, there's also because the NDAs must be up by now. Must yeah. be. <laughs> there's a geek documentary here for the making, isn't there, to go oh. and reunite these teams? I would love. See what's I would what. l- love to make that. And then hand them a knife and see who survives. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, whether they all still, yeah. A lot, I'm sure a lot of them are in, still in communication. Probably a lot of them still work together because that's the way the way of things in Japan traditionally, isn't it? One thing we neglected to mention in the Mickey and Donald show is that these pseudonyms were often used to stop people being headhunted. Of course, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um, not something you can really do now. And I, it might come under, I don't know about 
in Japan, but it would come under like restriction of trade laws. And these days on video games, you'll notice that almost by uh, default, every game has a credits option from the title screen or, or the yeah. options screen, which is obviously so that people can, you know, when when looking for work, say, look, I worked on this. Here's, here's me in the credits. So... So See, that's we, the deal. I mean, I used to love credits like this, like in Psycho Fox in particular. You would have like these little cartoon graphics that were just strange, and little pseudonyms that made no sense. Yeah, some yeah. interesting trend from the time. And some some uh, British teams, um, like the Sales Curve, would kind of ape it in they, when they made uh, Swiv. Uh, special weapons interdiction vehicle they did a kind of mock version of that as their own credit screen where they had sort of yeah silly caricatures and nicknames instead of their actual faces even though in in the uk everyone was kind of you know known and i think they wanted swift to appear almost as a japanese game it was um yeah. it was sort of a pseudo sequel to silkworm is that right it was indeed so which... almost a classic yeah um, so Bare Knuckle apparently had the subtitle of Ikari no Tetsuken in Japan, um, and with some hastily uh, done research just before the show, uh, Ikari, as in Ikari Warriors, uh, means on its own means angry, but Ikari no means fearless, and Tetsuken means the same as Tekken, which is Iron Fist. So Bare Knuckle, Fearless, Iron Fist is the much cooler original name of the game than Streets of Rage, which is the one we're all familiar with from the US and European release. Uh, it was a tiny four megabit card. That is one megabyte, I believe, mass fans. Uh, so no wonder the. It's pretty amazing everything they crammed onto there, isn't it? In one meg, all that music. Yeah, the, like you'd think the music nowadays, like one MP3 would take up more <laughs> space than that of one of the tracks within the game. Yeah, it's insane. There's like six, seven stages, or or with. I mean, you know, there's a lot of you, asset. You can't occasionally see like slide shortcuts where when you pull in the special weapons vehicle to do your dirty work for you, like the animation of them just turning left to right. It's just, it's Flipped. pretty much two frames as far as I'm aware. Or just totally, the one yeah. frame mirrored. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, even with that, you know, it is quite an accomplishment. Just the sheer amount of shit that they put out in the game is impressive. Yeah, I think I, it's one of those things, isn't it, that the further in time we go from its release, the more we probably appreciate what they managed to do with such little space in these games. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, minuscule. Um, and, yeah, genuinely, like the the music still sounds fantastic. I know we're going to keep coming back to Yuzo Koshiro's music. I, for me, I think the soundtrack to Streets of Rage 1 is still the best of the three. That's obviously a completely subjective personal thing, but it's... There is no accounting for tastes. Indeed. It's the kind of music of that uh, type that I enjoy the most. There's Don't get me wrong, there's some fantastic tunes in, in Streets of Rage 2 and a few goodies in Streets of Rage 3. But by and large, so. I would, I would, I find, I find that to be the case. But um, I know Dan, especially the fantastic sort of introduction music, which is pump up the jam quite one. frankly taken straight out of porno. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my favourite tune in Streets of Rage One is the boat level. I think that's absolutely stunning, and it's Seriously? still yeah. My, I, one of my favourites is from the second game, and it's also from the boat level. Ah, uh, mm, yeah, uh, but. Basically, it's a it's a phenomenal soundtrack. It sounds like it takes up megs and megs and megs all on its own, but it's just uh, it's just crammed in there as part of a of a four megabit cart. Ridiculous. Um, to be maybe provocative, would we be doing this episode if it wasn't for the soundtracks? Yes. Can you imagine these games with? Do you think so? If they just That's had a sort really of a generic question. Mega Drive soundtrack, I'm not sure that they'd be held so fondly in people's memories. I think that is. Very. Things are not connected, but I do believe that uh, the gameplay by itself would have put it ahead. 
The thing is, I mean, we can latch on the music because it's pretty inarguable that it's a fantastic soundtrack. But the game itself would probably have been the default kind of like fall to. If we weren't talking about the music, we'd probably be talking about how it evolved like the side-scrolling genre with everything that it did. No, we'll do that as well. Uh, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I but think we would have done that first as opposed to second, you know. Perhaps, yeah. I think Dan Dan raises an interesting point. Now, I think it is it is debatable that whether I would have gone back to the original Streets of Rage time and time again, even though I've not played it as many times through as Streets of Rage Two, but I've returned to it more times than it probably warrants with the existence of Streets of Rage Two, which is pretty much a better game in every department other than it has different music so i play streets of rage one pretty much for the music and the bit where you throw the dudes over out over the side of the lift (laughs) that is still understandable i mean the thing is like the the music is different whereas the gameplay evolves you know like uh you can't really evolve music you can have it in the same genre but it's still different uh, tracks whereas the basic gameplay is inarguably better in the second game yeah i mean some people might argue but they'd be insane yeah, I, don't, well, I think the I don't. tech for the music obviously upgrades between the first and second. But there's, there's more going on. He's uh, allowed himself more more um, tracks within the track, if you know what I mean. Mm. More channels. Yeah. Um, so obviously we've talked about the fact that perhaps the the first game falls short when it, in in terms of uh, just the feel and the sound of of fisticuffs um but in other areas i think there are still some fun things like the the when you do grab the enemies and you press the flip you you can flip over them and those team up moves um stuff like that um that's really good stuff the, the it's the only one with a, a smashable bottle i think as well yeah the yep. bottle's fantastic uh which always felt even though it's it's a blood free game even even in the japanese version it's a blood free cart i believe um it feels kind of gnarly to be actually glassing people in the face <laughs> and that's yeah, interesting as well because it's one of the very few weapons that changes properties after you smash it because it kind of works as a pipe for a start yeah and yeah. then changes into a knife yeah, and into knife that's a very good point it's also interesting that each character has a sort of specialized weapon within the game do they where Did yeah they in um, the first game I mean, in Street Rage 2, like, um, Blaze has got a second knife attack and the like, but I thought they were uh, all yeah, quite similar Ad- in the first Adam game. Uses the, uh, Adam's a lot quicker with the pipe in the first game. Um, oh, Axel right, is quicker yeah. with the sword, mm. and Blaze's knife hits quicker. It's like a sort of one-frame attack rather than the others being a two-frame attack in in those kind of terms. Very cool. Very cool. Um, obviously, the, the, the thing that they don't have is uh, actual um, special moves because that's all kind of taken care of. Uh, by the the police car, whereas um, the 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 special button becomes kind of one of the key gameplay things in the sequel, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, before we move on, I think it's only fair because some people will have memories of them because they didn't have a, a Mega Drive or Genesis. Did anyone play the Master System or Game Gear um, ports of either uh, Streets of Rage One or Two? I believe I did, but I've got no strong memories of it. Mm. I've attempted to play them a few times over the years, but knowing that I could be playing the Mega Drive version yeah. instead, it kind of throws I you off. I guess they were probably decent, but inferior. So if if you if they were the only option you had because you had a Master System or Game Gear, not a Mega Drive, you'd have probably been fairly pleased with them. It but was it was definitely an inferior version. I, I I tried the Game Gear version, but opted to go and buy 
at that time Sonic on the on the Game Gear because yeah. obviously my friend had the Mega Drive version and I thought, well, I'm not going to go and buy an inferior version and I think Sonic will hold up stronger on the console. But that's as close as I ever came to actually purchasing it on the on the Game Gear. Mm. If the music's one of your prime concerns with the game, of as well, obviously that's going to be sorely lacking in the 8-bit ports. Yeah, the Master System yeah. sound chip was pretty appalling, I'm afraid to say. It even tries to carry off a lot of the same tracks as well, but it just can't work with a it, single beep. And a, It was Yuzo Chiro, wasn't it? It did, he did it himself, I believe. So it's, yeah, he did. It's yeah. authentic, but uh, I guess... He was probably. It would have been really interesting. Like, is that like the worst part of his job? Like, oh, brilliant! I'm making these fantastic tunes for this new uh, scrolling beat 'em up. Oh, fuck! I've got to do the eight bit versions as well. (laughs) 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 Shit! That was like a Sunday afternoon thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The only sales figures I could find for any of the games, of course, this is another thing we've discussed before. Very hard to get sales figures for this games of this era from this company from this country uh, 2.6 million units sold possibly um, no idea whether there's any truth in that that's according to VG charts is that sort of entire series or no just just Streets of Rage 1 uh, no no sales figures for the sequels I imagine Streets of Rage 2 sold the most but I don't know I imagine Streets of Rage 3 very much sold the least because yeah. it was expensive and people were already moving on and, and things like that and it wasn't as good and it just wasn't well it wasn't as well received certainly um I guess uh, one last thing we should talk about is the Streets of Rage 1 is the end boss um, kind of similar to the final fight end boss as I recall um, to say the least Uh, if I'm thinking of it right he's basically running about shooting a machine gun yeah very much the same but uh, it's a throne rather than a wheelchair does he start is he in a wheelchair in the first game in final fight no in final fight he's in a wheelchair yes Um, but you put the guy in a wheelchair in Streets of Rage, don't you? So that is he in a wheelchair in the second game? I'm God, this is ridiculous. I've completed Streets no. of Rage two more than <laughs> more times than any other game, I think. But um, I think it's because I played Final Fight recently. I'm now confused. <laughs> I mean, he, he, as an end boss, he's he's pretty annoying. But but by the time you got to him, the fact that you've just beaten Mona and Lisa makes him a much more sort of acceptable boss in in terms of frustration because Mona and Lisa are. Or going back now, uh, even pad breaking. If you're not using the, you know, the hold attack and jump sweep attacks on them, or, or sorry, back fist attacks on them in the in Streets of Rage One. Uh, I saw you were playing the Sega Vintage Collection earlier today, Carl. So you're speaking from fresh memory of frustration. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I, I obviously I went through them um, with the the Mega Drive Collection originally and decided to give the the vintage collection a shot after hearing so many good things about them and, and picked it up and and on the, on that topic of actually the vintage collection it's probably a good mention that as we've talked about the music that there is a, a rather excellent jukebox feature in, is, in, in the vintage collection which is really really good mm-hmm. yeah it's even got some unused tunes and stuff that were on the cart i think that that uh, possibly were selectable through the original sound test. I'm not sure. But yeah, they're, they're on the original sound test. Yeah. There's one track that isn't on the sound test, but that's not on the vintage collection either. But um, huh. but yeah, there are like unused tracks in all three games. Yeah, strangely. Yeah, because like they had so much cart space to like muck around with that they just thought they'd put some extra fucking music on there. I mean, what the hell's that all about? Yeah, we'll just do a bit of extra work. That's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair. But then when you see that there are removed levels like the the motorbike level mm. in the third game and stuff like that, I suppose maybe you just remove the music. Well, don't remove the music track. You just take away the links to that bit of code and yeah, keep it in. According to SegaRetro.org, uh, 
a, a slightly enhanced soundtrack to the original game is available, but was sold only in Japan, containing the three uh, three beta tracks not available anywhere else. Yeah, that's correct. I think only the Streets of Rage 2 album was actually released in the United States, wasn't it? And the other, the other, I'm not sure if the third game actually had a release, but I know that the first two were Japan only, which is a shame. It's fairly normal, isn't it? Uh, especially back in those days, soundtrack yeah, albums. Yeah, it's kind of surprising games. for Streets of Rage 2 to actually have an American release in terms of a soundtrack, but... Yeah, definitely. Thankfully, it makes it easier to get a hold of. Well, we should certainly move on to probably the meat of this podcast, which uh, is... Before to... we move on, we should also mention that the end boss of Streets of Rage 1 had possibly one of the very first morality choices in a scroll and beat up Oh, it oh, did. Yes. That's true. Yes. That is a very, very good point. I can't believe I nearly glossed over that. Uh, yes, uh, how does this manifest, Darren? Well, basically, if you're on a two-player mode, um, also it happens if you're on a one-player mode as well, but Mr. X asks you if you want to join his organisation. That's right. And if you say yes, he decides to test you by throwing you back two levels, <laughs> and then you've got to play possibly about a third of the game again. Yeah, and including the boss rush. Yeah, totally, exactly. And... Uh, if one player says no and another player says yes, once you get back, you've got to beat the shit out of each other. Mm. And uh, Which is obviously wins. a nod to the end of Double Dragon. Yeah. Whoever yeah. wins gets the choice to take over the syndicate. Yeah, and there's a good end or a bad end. Uh, I accidentally yeah. caught the, do you wish to be my assistant or whatever the, the choice is, I accidentally mm. caught the yes when I was playing through it again, um, and it dropped me back two <laughs> levels. And that meant that, obviously, I had to go before Mona and Lisa again, which, by this point, I'd only just about calmed down, and that was incredibly <laughs> annoying. It is a bastard. You, you clean through the floor, and then you land in the factory again. Yeah. That's right. I remember it well. Yeah, I think um, when I have played through Streets of Rage 1 since, I think I always take the, sh- the whichever the shorter option is, because as good as good as it is, when you're having that sort of retro blast, you don't really need to do all those levels twice to get the hit. Uh, but yes, there are different end themes available and different graphics, as I recall. Just really quickly before we move hmm. on. In the first game, can you land your throws? Yes. Sorry for not being able to remember this. Yes, See, I think you that can. Because be, we still get that as a, a mechanic in games today. Yeah, I thought you... Where when you get thrown, you press jump at the second you hit the floor and you land safely I still see that in things yeah. in versus uh, fighting games as well like Street Fighter double tapping yeah. the down so you quickly get up and stuff like that um, yeah I totally when I played Streets Rage 1 earlier I was thinking oh and god you can't land your throat when you're thrown in this can you but I, I just did it automatically muscle memory up and jump at the same time after being thrown and yes you can and it actually Excellent. awards you an achievement so does it that's oh, how okay. important it was to the series you get an achievement for doing it mm. And in the second game, it doesn't. You don't even have to do it on impact. You can just hold it down the second you get grabbed, and you'll still land safely. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I've been just doing it <laughs> as you do in the first game. Yeah, yeah but yeah. your first and third games, you've got to do it wow. upon landing. But Street Rage Two, anytime that you want to do it, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, Street Rage Two. Then, so bare knuckle two, shito he no chinkonka. The Requiem of Deadly Battle. Once again, the Japanese original version has by far the coolest name. Uh, Streets of Rage 2. Of course, it has a slightly different name in America, which is Streets of Rage 2. (laughs) Whereas we've got Streets of Rage Roman numerals 2. I don't know why that is, uh, but it's still true to this day, even on the vintage collection. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, it could yeah. be it could be a, a, one of those things. Um, but obviously, we have a lot of US listeners, so I'm sure that the vast majority of them are quite capable of understanding Roman numerals for two. 
Uh, no, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was Street Rage II. Street Rage II. <laughs> oh, they've missed ten versions. Yeah. Maybe well, the that, II yeah. relates to the pirate ship halfway through the game. <laughs> uh, so the game was released in December 1992, we reckon, in Japan, and January 1993 in the US and the UK, possibly? Yeah, it definitely didn't come out at the same time in the UK as the no. US. I'm, no. I'm sure it didn't. I wouldn't have bought it on... Im- Again, I bought this one on import yeah. uh, as a Genesis copy. And I wouldn't have done that if the game hadn't have been like months away, according to the magazines. I have a feeling it wasn't very long, though, because... I reckon I re- we maybe got it like Easter time or something like that. <sighs> I know. I don't think it was that late. I have... Uh, let, let's talk about our memories of getting Streets of Rage 2 or playing it for the first time. My memory is I went up to a, one of my first kind of big... Uh, gig concert type places at the Brixton Academy um, as a 20, 21 year old. So, you know, who did you go and see? Julian Cope. Ah, nice. <laughs> um, and I remember seeing it running in a shop in London and I'm pretty sure that gig was about January, February, 93. So I have a feeling, and I also remember seeing the reviews in CMVG or Mean Machines or whatever, and thinking, oh, God, the weight is unbearable, but then it not being very long at all. So I think maybe we didn't have to wait too long. Of course, we did get a shitty 20% slower version, just as we did with the original Streets of Rage, um, but we didn't care because we didn't really know back then. But you can play the different versions on the Sega Vintage Collection for XBLA and you'll realise just how fucking screwed we used to get in, in Europe because the NTSC version is so much more fun. Oh, it's a huge difference as well. I mean, it's you, 20%. You, you, say, you say 20%, but you <laughs> no, don't realise just how big 20% is until is, you yeah. can play both thing, though, I mean, side by side. There were different uh, levels of optimization on uh, home consoles at that time, so 20% could be cut down if they... Yes. did their absolute best to kind of redo it for the European audience. Absolutely, yeah. Lots of games did. Certainly games that were developed in the UK often had good optimization. There were certain Amiga games that, that were programmed in Europe that ran at full screen and full speed and things like that. But generally, we, we would get... We got shafted. We got shafted, yeah. And, and, and you couldn't import the American version of Streets of Rage. Well, you could if you, hacked, it was, if you hacksawed your Yes, your it, but it, it was uh, uh, one of the first region-locked Mega Drive games. But yes, you can now sample the difference for yourself. It's interesting, this is a conversation we've had on the Kane and Rince forum recently as regards to um, some people sort of saying, oh, I don't understand why some people, you know, get upset about Wii U virtual console games like Balloon Fight being in 50 hertz and stuff. You know, it's an old game, who gives a fuck? But now Nintendo, thankfully... Uh, saw fit to release F Zero at sixty hertz, and people are actually playing it and going, "Oh my god, this is so much better than F Zero <laughs> that I used to play on my PAL console." It's actually really good fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Spectre are really bad at optimizations, or even at bad optimizations, just the entire fact that lack of options are slower. Yeah, it really is. Twenty percent is as 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 I keep saying when this conversation comes up, it's something. It is a bit of a a bugbear of mine it's something that i've been you know sort of aware of for best yeah. part of 20 years now and and it, and it does annoy and upset thankfully it's not really a problem anymore we'll talk about how you can get streets of rage later but like the virtual console versions that you can buy on the wii and therefore through the wii menu of the wii u they are the power carts so they are fucked compared to the versions that they could have easily offered for download um they it could does have mean your game lasts longer though completing <laughs> it takes you 20 percent longer yeah um yeah, so that's a whole other thing. And obviously, I know a lot of people 
people listening to this will be obviously all aware of this stuff anyway. A lot of people will be like, well, who gives a shit? I, I played it and loved it at the time. And in a way, that's the best attitude because there, was, there wasn't much you could do about it short of importing and using a step-down converter and having a 60 hertz compatible TV, which wasn't even that... Uh, not every TV could do 60 hertz back in the early 90s. You had to make sure. I, you're yeah, I remember I ended up, ended up having to buy a TV for uh, yeah. Resident Evil on the PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, otherwise it would be either your screen would just go mad flickery or it'd all be in black and white or, you know, all kinds Slow of... rolling. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, no sales figures for this. Uh, again, there was a Master System Game Gear version. One, one can only imagine, having not played them, that they were even more kind of of a, of a cut-down nature compared to the Mega Drive Genesis version. Yeah, they're, they're doing much the same thing, but um, it's not as good a conversion as Streets of Rage 1 was. No, it wouldn't be, would it? I mean, the, the, one of the first things you notice when, when you start playing Streets of Rage 2, and, and one of our correspondents later will point out, Streets of Rage 2 is effectively a remake of Streets of Rage 1. Like, a lot of the settings are the same, a lot of the bad guys are the same. It's just everything's better. Um, one of the first things you notice is that the sprites are about, what, 30% taller again, maybe more? Um they they look when you go back to Streets of Rage one the the, the enemies look minuscule and your characters look minuscule. It's um, almost like going from a Master System to a Mega Drive game. Exactly. The difference between the two. Yeah. So this cart was sixteen megabits, which is still only a measly four megabytes. However, that's four. They had four times the uh, memory. Uh, hardware real estate to play in, if you will. And blast processing was obviously. Uh, in- <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd, knew you'd bring up blast processing again. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so other uh, my other memories of Streets Rage 2, uh, for me, just playing it through over and over again with, with my girlfriend at the time, with any friends who had come round, um, getting, seeing some of the, the new graphical effects like the shimmering metal on the bridge stage on the second section, um, just the general feeling of the sheen of quality, those special moves, the A button stuff, um, the fact that there was you just had a much larger repertoire um the feeling of satisfaction of actually slapping people it sounded great they they'd really beefed up the samples um it's a really yeah. unusual palette for the time mhm it's got a lot more um like as well as the neon there's a lot of muted colors mm. in in some of the sort of later stages of the game it's uh, i don't yeah. know i just find it quite sort of visually interesting even going back like what 20 years now and it kind of it goes more and more um bizarre as as kind of as as the game goes on so you start off in the usual neon lit uh in a city urban environment which you know it looks like a sort of uh, something you'd have seen from uh an 80s action movie but then as you go through you end up in a, a theme park and a baseball stadium um fighting uh like something that looks like it's out of aliens um, then you end up uh, fighting uh, Zamza, is it? Who looks like very much like a sort of blanker, blanker yeah, yeah, uh, rip off. Uh, then you end up punching robots in the face with a painful sounding clang, and that's painful sounding for the puncher rather than the robot who you're being punched, uh, who you're punching, I should say. Um, yeah, memories of, of Streets of Rage. When, when do you remember first? As I say, my my first thing was actually seeing it running in London, I think, and being like, oh my god, I've got to have this game. Uh, Carl, what about you? I I can't remember how I got hold of the game, but the it was really strange going back because I always remembered the character being called Sammy because I was playing it on a Japanese Mega Drive. Yeah, um, and it, that sort of threw me for a bit. 
which which was really odd. And it, it was a strange debate I would have with my friend saying, oh, have you played with the new character, Sammy? And he's going, there is Skate. no Sammy in that game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Obviously, they hadn't read their instruction manuals, though, because he is called Sammy Skate Hunter in the instructions. Yeah. So, no, uh, so he, he, you should have chided them. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But it, it was manuals in those days. No, straight to the games. It's funny now, people people start, you know, people buy a new EA, EA game and they're like, oh, I didn't get a manual. It's like, you never fucking read it anyway. Give it a rest. I did with Japanese Mega Drive games just because they were so beautiful and weird. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Colourful little, almost like a mini magazine, whereas ours were these sort of like, d- the Dry, notes pages grey. at the back. What? <sighs> uh, yeah, rubbish. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so cool. enough of my rant. We still got better box art than the American versions, though. Yes. <laughs> almost that's not almost. hard. Yes. <laughs> so obviously it was another game that I'd go and play through with my friend and interestingly mm. enough um, when the, the, the day that the Mega Drive collection was re-released on on Xbox and, and Playstation I was at a gaming LAN down in Birmingham and myself and a friend we went out specifically looking for this game yeah, and we went to a blockbuster and we came back and a room full of 40 people and tens of thousands of pounds of equipment sat down, put this in and went straight through all the Streets of Rage yep. games again, <laughs> including Streets of Rage 2. And by the end of it, it must have drawn a crowd of mm. of several of these people who'd left their PCs that travelled all the way to Birmingham to come and play games with friends just to watch us play this. And that that's when you sort of realise how much of an iconic classic and memories this game has. And and that was brilliant. And obviously, I've since gone through again on the uh, vintage collection. But mm. just absolutely fantastic memories of Streets of Rage 2. And it it's one of those games that it still holds up. Even now, It, it it's weird. Streets of Rage 1 feels aged. Definitely, Streets of Rage yeah. 2, the graphics don't look as bad as you would expect them to. The, the sound no, is fantastic. It, mm-hmm. I know Streets of Rage 1 is your favourite soundtrack. Streets of Rage 2 is mine. I, I do love it still. And uh, I think the only thing that's dated audio-wise is really is the scratchy uh, audio samples. Yes. Um, which the Mega Drive was always, always terrible at, famously so. It was just sort of one of its sort of, sort of weird sort of things that it, was, it always It was Achilles' had. heel, wasn't it? Yeah. The speech, basically. Um, yeah. And... It, it's just I loved going through it again, and I, I think it's one of these games that if I go back every couple of years from now on, I'll I'll still love it. It's mm. fantastic. Did you recognise that he said "grand upper" even only, at the time? Only did I find that out many years later. I thought yeah. it was "grab the car." I thought it was "grab the power." So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I recognised it, which is strange. Uh, well, yeah, it's because you speak scratchy. It's because you speak yeah. scratchy sample. It's because you recognise it's actually Yuzo Koshiro's voice, which it is. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Wow, fantastic. And, uh, I think he did all of the Axel voice samples. I know he did at least two of them that he's admitted to. So he did the bare knuckle uppercut. In, yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I did not know that. Um, what about, uh, what is Blaze saying, Darren, then, at any point? Kikokin. <laughs> Kikokin, same as Chun-Li's Kikokin. Uh, yeah. So that's something, something it could be fiery fist or Kikokin is what I, I think it is. Ken, Ken is fist, so Kiko, kicking fist. That's what I reckon it is. The uh, thing is, I was never actually a Blaze user, so I'm, I haven't heard her as much as like Axel's. Yeah, I, I tend to default to Axel. I never enjoyed playing as uh, Wrestler Max or, or the, the Sammy Skates. Is, like, I mean, recently I have kind of gravitated to Blaze cause, just because she's faster, you know, which is strange. Cause, she, like, was, yeah. she was always the character the, I'd use. She's fantastic. Yeah, if you go between the two, like, Axel doesn't feel slow when you're using him until you've moved on to Blaze. And skate is too weak as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, the best that everyone knows the best thing about using Sammy or Skate is of course the grabbing grabbing the sitting on their shoulders and punching them around the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and the breakdancing uh, special move as well. Um I also remember today I, I you know I, I speak with some authority on Streets of Rage 2. I I did get um most I think that on the original Backbone uh, release in 2007 on XBLA I'd got virtually all the achievements including the hardcore difficulty ones and stuff and uh, I was quite high up in the, the you know the overall leaderboards but I'd totally forgotten one of the moves that they have which is the hold down the button um, hold down the punch button and then release after a second um, they've all got an extra move on that which is not essential really at any point but it's actually quite a powerful move so um, I think Axel has a double kick yeah. And Blaze has also some sort of kick, which is immediately knocks people flying. But you do tend to self, uh, do tend to find yourself relying on the uh, the double tap and punch, double tap towards and punch move. It's basically with, one of the specials apart from it doesn't eat your health. That's exactly yeah. the, the this, this is why Streets of Rage Two remains such an interesting game because you've got all these things. So uh, standing still and pressing the special button launches off uh, a sort of area clearing special if you connect it it uses up some health uh, holding a towards while pressing your special button does another sort of special which in axel's case is a is a flurry combo that does use up health They're sort of um, defensive and offensive specials mm. aren't they um and there's this whole yeah there's this whole excellent uh sort of rhythm and pattern and risk reward elements of the gameplay um yeah, you've got you still got your reverse punch, but it's it's more powerful now. Um, and yeah, just because, again the whole enemy management thing when you've got multiple enemy types on a screen, you can flipping them over, throwing them into each other never ever gets old. I'm still playing this game today, <laughs> literally twenty years on from playing it the first time, probably almost to the month, and I'm still getting a total buzz out of throwing. In, you, you're in the bar section, the very second section of the game, and you're throwing dudes at other dudes through tables and chairs. And obviously, in a modern game, the physics would be better, and the chairs would actually go flying around and stuff like that. But, but they it's wouldn't just, leave apples, they wouldn't necessarily leave an <laughs> apple or a chicken. Uh, yeah, um, Darren, what are your? Do, what are your? Did you? Do you have memories of? You're obviously a fan of Streets of Rage already. I do, do have you? pretty strong memories of this one because cool. it caused me to. Um, I wasn't exactly sulking, but I did get my eye up for a short while with uh, some of my friends. Nice. What because happened? I was dying for this game, okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed the original, as I said, and I thought this one was so much better, okay? So me and my friends are waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And we're all like, okay, as soon as this arrives, um, we'll phone up whoever uh, doesn't have it. We'll get them around and we'll have a session. And I remember being asked to go around to one of them just by chance. And I walk into the bedroom. And they're on fucking stage seven or whatever it is. Oh, man. No. Like the one after the boat, they're on the beach. They're nearly at the end of the game. Oh. And you could just... They shrank back when they seen my expression, man, you know? Just, <laughs> you traitorous shits. <laughs> because I was more into games than any of them were. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we'd had this pact because we were all still big fans of this particular game. Yeah. And by Christ, you know, like I've never forgiven them for that, for that one. Are you still friends or...? Uh, pretty much, although like they've moved away, so I haven't seen them. It's never been the same long. since that day, has it? Not since I stabbed them, no. <laughs> yeah, that's why they moved away. <laughs> stabbed their eyes out. <laughs> Try playing Streets of Rage without eyes and no thumbs <laughs> and only one pinky. <laughs> but uh, like as soon as that happened, I mean they were gracious enough to bleed quietly while I played it through in front yeah. of them. You know, cool. Yeah, because uh, we didn't go back to the start and we started up a two-player game and. Oh man, it was just, it was fantastic, you know, it was everything I had hoped for and more. Amazing. 
And uh, within a couple of days, I'd got my own copy. It was nowhere nearby, so I ended up having to drive to Aberdeen to get it. And, uh, yeah, I ended up with Street Rage 2 and a couple of Commodore's friends. Were you, play, you playing it in delightful PAL 50 hertz loveliness, presumably, at this Sadly, point? yes, you know, it wasn't a yeah. quarter copy and nobody had Japanese uh, Mega Drives at the time. We didn't care at the time. Exactly, we, you know, it's yeah. like, it's not really say something like Tekken 2 against the, the real Tekken 2, but the yeah. differences in speed really hammer home. Yeah. Back in those days, it was unfortunate, but it was kind of... You didn't know, so it didn't bother you. Yeah, yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Dan, what were your uh, first impressions? How did you come by Streets of Rage 2? Um, much the same as the first one. Got it on US import at the time. But then the story after that is much like everyone else. A friend down the road played it dozens and dozens of times, put the soundtrack on a cassette. Um, <laughs> all the stories that, that people seem to have of, of Streets of Rage 2. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I can't even count the number of times that that I've probably completed this game like over and over in two player with with friends. It's just one of those. At the time, it was almost a staple game. Do you know what I mean? It was. It took a lot longer than playing a round of Street Fighter Two, but it was kind of your Mega Drive equivalent. Not the yeah. versus mode. I don't mean the versus mode. No, <laughs> God, that was, that was never quite as much. I didn't even consider talking about that. Yeah, uh, there's not really a need to. Yeah. The, the option uh, is is uh, on the if you if you boot the Japanese ROM, it's called Battling, I believe. Um, so it's a one-on-one Streets of Rage game. I seem to remember the the games magazines of the time were kind of like trying to pimp that as uh, an alternative <laughs> to Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, it really wasn't, was it? The the it's just part of the, one of the main the game problems. Is it designed for that? It's as simple as that, you know. It's, yeah. it's Jazz Rignall, you owe me a copy of Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> one of the main problems with it is if maybe if if they'd locked it, if they'd locked both characters to a single uh, Y plane, then you could have at least had a certain amount of fun with a very limited move set. But because you could still uh, move about the arena in the same way as you could in most brawlers. Um, uh, you know, it's not even like the ones uh, like Guardian Heroes where you're set on, you know, you've got three uh, planes that you can jump between. You just avoid each other the whole time and occasionally you'd make contact almost by accident. Uh, yeah, it was dreadful. I think, I think I played it about three times. I've got a feeling even if it was on a single Y plane, we'd still have a single Y. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's the first game I played in RGB Scar as well. <laughs> Sorry for throwing that in. It's just that it was so exciting to me at the time, like finding no, this no. lead that my dad had that I could connect to the big telly downstairs and suddenly play it in like this extraordinary quality. I know it's another thing worth, worth talking about. Um, the yeah, so the the version that's out on Xbox Live Arcade now, um, the the trilogy version has a a pixel for pixel dot by dot mode which looks absolutely fantastic to fans of pixel art but you can also turn on uh, scan lines and a blurring effect to make it look more like you remember but I also had an RGB scart lead that I plugged into a into a big uh, cathode ray tube TV and you know that was the equivalent of HDMI at the time and you could suddenly make out every single pixel of this beautiful game and yeah no I totally totally the colours screamed at you oh and the <laughs> colours yeah. incredible yeah again that was the other thing you know we were playing a lot of these games and again this is not to denigrate anyone's memories but playing them through RF connections composite connections um, and in PAL mode, we were like playing the arse end of these versions of these games. We really were. Yeah. On a 14 um, inch TV as well. 
yeah tiny telly as well sometimes sometimes a black and white telly um yeah it's it's interesting we had it hard man we had it hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't know what they got do they our dads used to beat us to death with a pal streets of rage car <laughs> yeah all that um, uh, one thing that I really wanted to mention when you were talking about the cover art, and I was mm. like, oh, what's it from? What's it from? Um, the cover art for Streets of Rage 1 in the West is a, is actually taken from a, the poster art for a film called Jim Carter, which is a 1985 martial arts movie. And Jim, um, yeah, Jim. Maxim listed it as the 17th worst movie of all time. Wow. But if you look at the front, uh, front cover or the poster art, <laughs> you can spot it's, um, it's like, you know, Axel doing the kick and the two guys flying off to the sides. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the actual yeah you can tell the artist has used that as kind of his inspiration there was a lot of this going on there's obviously there's a famous contra cover which is based on uh, commando and there's the character uh, cameos in metal gear that that were from uh, films of the period yeah um things like that it, it Back used before to those things on. would get noticed by lawyers yeah totally yeah it's amazing it's not like these things weren't making money it's not like they were so obscure these these video games on on the nes and msx and whatever were selling a lot of copies in japan and america in particular but yet this whole the sort of litigate litigation thing just wasn't as big it back was then, amazing what you could get away with i mean just look at the alien yeah. level in streets of rage too I suppose, yeah. I mean, maybe there's. There, I mean, every game had an aliens level back then. I was thinking about this when when writing about Colonial Marines recently. Just how many video games of the eighties and nineties had Giga influenced uh, art in them? Alien Storm yeah. pretty much left them off as well, didn't it? Yeah, totally. And Turrican had a massive aliens section, and God, just so many action it's games. It's incredible yeah. the level of things that you just would not get away with these days. Yeah, no, aliens just, also Predator had a fucking. Good rap off as well. Yeah, you'd just be infringing copyrights left. If right I was center. Sega's lawyer, I would have used the argument that, well, this section's set in a theme park, therefore we're not like we're we have to do this because that's what theme parks are. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's that's probably why none of them gave parcel. their real names. In the credits. I'm going to go to an island here and say that Street of Rage Two is a better aliens game than Colonial Marines. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is there is there anything more to say about Streets of Rage Two? I'm sure there is, but obviously we have to consider time and things. Um, is there anything pressing other than yes, it is the apex of you the baller genre? The, the slight censorship on Mr. X made a cigar on the Japanese version. Yeah, very yeah. good call. Regional differences. I uh, mean, so- three has got a lot of these. You know, we should go into detail with some of the changes for the third one. Yeah, we definitely yeah. will. So um, there were slight differences between all three versions. Uh, obviously, there's the Eddie Skate Hunter thing, Sammy Hunter, uh, which is a reference to DJ Boy, uh, the Mega Drive game, which I never played. I, I remember did. it. I gather it wasn't very good, though it had decent reviews. Is it that- wasn't a very good game. In fact, it was kind of shit as far as I'm aware. Like, it was really unbalanced, but there was a certain vibe to it that you didn't see in other games. So you were It's able a side scrolling beat em up as well, isn't it? On yeah, skates. It yeah. Yeah. The Hence. arcade version is better than the Mega Drive version. Um, I've never and, played and either. Gr- I don't think. They're not great, but they are um, clearly an inspiration. F- well, an earlier version of that sort of Final Fight Streets of Rage one. They're from that era, so yeah, worth a play to mm. see to see where Skate came from. So the name, hence, they, it's made by Sammy, who went on to, sort of, didn't they merge with Sega in the end? And yeah, they did. Yeah. How very weird and incestuous. Yeah. Another thing with Streets of Rage 2 is that there's a, a beta version. I know you were saying that Max looks like Rick Mail on the cover, but <laughs> the Max sprite in the Streets of Rage, or the Bare Knuckle 2 beta, it, it, it's horrible. <laughs> mm. um, you can tell it's kind of a, um, a mate, well, 
you can tell it's a placeholder graphic for like something yeah. that's going to come later. Um, and like, it's not much of a beta, really. It's more a sort of a tech demo, I guess. Yeah. Because you only get uh, the first level, and you can't like there's things you can't do, like uh, skate can't do the uh, the migraine move, and there's lots and lots missing. Is that so, is that its official name? I think it's called the uh, migraine maker. Yeah. <laughs> in the uh, yeah in the Japanese ver- in the English version, I guess. Um, yeah, as you said, Darren, uh, Mr. X smokes a cigar, quite quite common for smoking to get uh, edited out of uh, US and PAL versions of games um, for certification reasons. Um, happened in Buster Move, Stroke Buster Groove and various others. Hirokun Cigarette. Yeah. Uh, and also um, some, some saucy Blaze animations were removed from the US version where you can see a tiny bit of sprite-based knicker. Those motherfuckers. Uh, which, but that was left in the PAL version. Yeah, because we're we're okay with pants, but the Americans aren't. I don't know what that's all about. So Talk of Censorship brings us to the final part of the trilogy, Bare Knuckle 3, no subtitle in Japan this time, and the same name in both the US and Europe, Streets Rage 3. Apparently we couldn't understand the Roman numerals that they used in Japan, so we just used the standard digit 3 in whatever... Is that Gregorian? No, that's calendar. to be fair, so... Yeah. <laughs> Would it think- save on ink costs? <laughs> yeah, I think by this point they were just like we were very much. It was ninety four, wasn't it? Um, and it was we were very much coming towards the end of the Mega Drive's time. The Saturn was en route, and uh, yeah, that's not to say that the people who made this game didn't put a lot into it. But I think there was a sense that the world was moving on, video games were moving on. But nonetheless. Uh, this was the biggest Streets of Rage yet in terms of cartridge size. 24 megabits. Massive. How many How many megs is that? It's another meg. Uh, so that's six. Six, meg. six yeah. megs. Six megabytes. Um, now, I have to say, my history with Streets of Rage 3 is that I didn't play it at all until <laughs> the... Likewise. <laughs> until recently. Um I think it was launched, uh, I think it was uh, correspondent The Eidolon who um, remembers that it launched in the UK at fifty nine ninety nine because of its large size. Um, that was probably a reason I didn't play it, even if it was only 50 or 55 quid in the shops, I think I would have balked at that. Um, I think the reviews were slightly less stellar than they had been. I think I didn't like the look of the new characters, uh, old old robotic dude Zan and, and the kangaroo. Um I kept meaning to get around to buying it and I kind of wish I had picked it up at any number of opportunities because the car is actually worth a bit of money now. Um, But I think I finally dabbled in it on the Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection, uh, which is is called Sonic's Ultimate Ultimate Genesis Genesis Connection in America. 
Uh, and But I didn't finish it on there. I think I played it just long enough to get whatever achievement was associated with it. And I only finished it when the Sega Vintage Collection trilogy came out for XBLA last year. Um, there are some achievements attached to it, which was my excuse to finally play through it for the first time. Um, and it wasn't as good as Streets of Rage 2. Um, Dan, you said you've only played you only played it for the first time recently. Um, yeah, not quite as recently as yourself. I didn't pick it up at the time again because the reviews were middling for what was expected to be this like yeah. blockbusting sort of end 80s, of a trilogy. Would, would they? Was that about right? Uh, I'd say yeah, sort of late seventies, I think even. Mm. But um, but yeah, we were expecting this real blockbuster game, so I didn't pick it up at the time, and then got it in between it becoming like now it's worth quite a lot, but back in the day when you could get like Mega Drive games in cash converters for like yeah. 50p yeah. Uh, I picked it up like for a couple of quid maybe mm. in Good a cool. second hand shop but then well then went on to sell it since for, for not oh. as much um, when I sold a bunch <laughs> of I think it was to get Dreamcast cool. games I sold a bunch of games yeah. to GameStation but um, yeah it, it just didn't it's not like you say it's not as good Not that's not to say I don't like it and I do like something that we're going to mention later is uh, Bare Knuckle 3 is a different game to Streets of Rage 3. Yes. And Bare Knuckle 3, I think, is the better game. If we'd got more of a version of that, I think maybe mm. we'd be looking at it differently. But again, okay. the colour changes and to the outfits and stuff just didn't f- sit right with me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't... If if the game had been getting 98% everywhere and, and uh, you wouldn't have given a shit about palette changes necessarily, but I think it's the sort of thing which just it just the whole thing felt a bit like I, I don't think I was particularly aware until recently that we got a butchered version of the game other than the usual you know twenty percent slower and all that but but it has come to light that indeed uh, fortunately again thanks to the trilogy collection on Xbox Live Arcade you can actually play all three versions US UK and or Europe and Japanese and see for yourself. Uh, so, Carl, did you pick this one up at the time on for fifty nine ninety nine or whatever? Did you have a Mega Drive by this point? Um, I, my Japanese Mega Drive that I owned actually packed in. Um, mm. We tried to get it fixed, and there was no resolution. No one knew what the problem was. It wasn't just a power adapter. And my friend with the Mega Drive also didn't pick it up, partly due to the price and also saving for the PlayStation and and just moving on more than anything else. So, like you, my first sort of taste of it was with the, the Mega Drive collection. Um, I actually played... We played beyond the, the achievement until we got to a section where we just sort of looked at each other and thought, this is a bit shit. Mm. Um, after playing through, you know, Streets of Rage 1 and 2, we got maybe 20 minutes into Streets of Rage 3, and it just didn't feel quite right. So, at, mm. at that point, we just sort of left it. it the... the sort of magic that is Streets of Rage 2 was just completely gone um, I'm not entirely sure where it's just almost one of those you know those quote unquote things that you can't necessarily put your finger exactly on why but it just didn't feel quite right and we grew up well this is what I'm interested in whether we'd have the felt case. the same way if we played it at the time because reviewers were obviously disappointed as well weren't they um, even back so in the mid 90s uh, yes, Darren, did you play it at the time? I did, I bought it at least. Okay. I can't remember the painful price for it, but uh, I did get my hands on it, however I did. And the thing is, it's it's a game where it felt like they were trying to change things up, but they had no idea of how to do it correctly. Right. 
And like mm. it's got all these things that they were touting as features, you know, like it had de- degradable weapons, which is always great. You know, your fucking weapon <laughs> breaks after two stabs. And it had stuff like your special moves, like had a, a separate power bar. Oh, that's so, right. Like, yeah, if yeah, uh, yeah. you waited a few seconds to use it, it wouldn't use up your health. It's a bit mm. like a halo shield for your power-ups, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it's, yeah. It's, it's all small things like this. And like the fat guys, you couldn't throw them over your shoulder anymore. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was the f- same in the first game as well, but in Street Rage 2, you could throw them however you liked. You couldn't do that in the third one. And it's all all just these like strange additions to the formula that contributed to making it a much worse game. And the music wasn't as good. The, the, way that, the way that you moved and the way that it all felt just felt strange. Mm. Uh, I think uh, I'm finding an interesting correlation here between... Uh, third games in series that arrive at the late part of a generation that are a bit disappointing compared to predecessors because we seem to be seeing a lot of those this year in, in 2013 yeah. you know, like Dead Space and Crisis and, and yeah, even Assassin's that, Creed last year it's Assassin's Creed yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think well I mean like with games today I think they're kind of trying to finish up really quickly before the next console comes out I'm not sure if that was a factor back then or not because I do think that Street Rage 3 had a fairly decent development period I could Damn. be wrong but what were the likes of... Um, because obviously in the Saturn era, yeah. uh, from Sega point of view, the, it was AM2 and AM3 which who really came to the fore because the, the, it was a machine designed to... Well, it was playing to their strengths, really, wasn't it? It was playing it? to their strengths, although it was still a machine that probably wasn't as good at polygons as it should have been and was still more sprite-based. So remembering the first few Saturn releases, we got things like the Shinobi game and stuff like that. So what were... Well, the Shinobi fa- game wasn't done by the Shinobi yeah, team, was exactly. it? So that's this, the- this is this is it. You, what were the guys I'm, who were I'm making really these fantastic... I'm really not sure what they were doing. Yeah. Um, maybe it's something to do with like ancient, starting to work on 32-bit projects, maybe, or... I, I really then don't you know. Then um, like, even I, know, I don't know how much work ancient did on the... the code and programming side of it but i think they were kind of a, a sort of spiritual backbone to the series maybe mm. with with the music carrying through and the character designs and that kind of thing maybe once they've gone there's no point in carrying on with with that series or those kind of games but yeah for as for what am7 went on to, yeah. <laughs> to do so thinking I really about thinking about like um sega's steps into the 32-bit era um they were sort of apart from their arcade ports which started off ropey with daytona which was obviously a rush job and then suddenly got amazing with virtual fighter and virtual cop and sega rally uh they did things like um story of thor 2 or legend of oasis which was kind of like that was that was an ancient production but they kind of it was like they didn't really know how to best use the Saturn, so it kind of was like a high-res Mega Drive game, I guess. Yeah, uh, Story of Thor was on the Mega Drive. No, the yeah. sequel. Talking about uh, the sequel. The second one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I don't... I'm going to stand slightly in defence of, of the music. That was my next in question. Rage so, th- this, is, this is something, again, that interests me in terms of do I love the Streets of Rage 1 and 2 soundtracks more because I played them when I was in my early 20s and I have nostalgia and that music was cool at the time? Or is it just that it's better music? I, I, I don't know. Dan, you, you did... Oh, another question. Did Yuzo Koshiro invent dubstep in the, in the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of not far off. Um, he, There's a lot of genres in 3 that I think sound more relevant now than they would have done at the time but also he was using this algorithmic composition system mm. for three 
uh, not for every track. Some of them are still sort of handcrafted and handmade. No, you but... can hear the. You can definitely hear the ones that are <laughs> kind of yeah. They're sort of it's like the equivalent of Bowie doing um, cut and paste lyrics or whatever, isn't it? Cut yeah, up and, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, him and uh, his co-composer would leave the thing running and just go back and pick like little sections that they they thought worked and then so lazy. use those as, as loops. <laughs> it is, but at the time it was quite a um, what's the word a, an artistic choice I think because yeah, Cold, yeah. Cold Cut were doing much the same thing it's like Jackson Pollock of, of a video reason games. to go down to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think it was just that that was being used in uh, in commercial dance music at the same time like with Cold Cut and other producers right and maybe Kashira was thinking I want a piece of that um, and it's lazy and cheaper as well obviously but <laughs> um, but yeah I, see to me the second game has, has the best soundtrack um, the first is good but it just doesn't sound as as punchy to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have all the sort of like twinkly sounds maybe going on. Like I say, it's not working on quite as many channels. But the third game nowadays, I can listen to over and over and over again, except for those few tracks that are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are some that I, I totally agree. But um, yeah, I just think it's a, a really forward thinking set of electronic dance music. If you look at the past fifteen years since. Mm. Yeah, I was I was using that jukebox player on the Vintage Collection trilogy uh, earlier to check out some of those tunes again, and away from the uh, the slightly disappointing gameplay of Streets of Rage three, and I think I actually warmed to some of them a bit more because I, w- I wasn't being nagged by that constant. Well, oh, this isn't as good as Streets of Rage two. I was kind of imagining if I was playing a game that was as good as two with this soundtrack, would I have enjoyed the music more? And I think I think I probably would. So that's sort of an interesting. It's another way. You, it's kind of a flip side of the question you were asking at the start of the show. Uh, actually, the the music would have been enhanced by the game in that in that case, rather than the other way around. Yeah. Interestingly, for its relevancy, I played a track from Streets of Rage three at a New Year's Eve thing <laughs> at the John Peel Art Center with people like dancing, and they that, if you just told them it was from a like. Mega Drive game from 1994. I don't think they would have, they would have ever believed you. So I think it can hold up in certain situations. Wow. Maybe it's because I'm like really into my electronica, uh-huh. and it's not as maybe commercially led as the other soundtracks. But but yeah, I really enjoy it for what it is. And if anyone's looking for Streets of Rage music, there's a set that Yuzo Koshiro did in Japan in 2002 at a club. Um, if you look for bkallmix.mp3, you'll find it. Uh, he used to give it away on the ancient site. Um, and then now, since they've redesigned the site, he doesn't have an area for his music anymore. But it is a hmm. um, a freely available DJ mix that he did of tracks from all three games. It's um, And it fits on a CD if you want to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's my little recommendation to cool. throw in. But, I like um, the sound of that. It's really good. So... Away from it being a slightly disappointing game in terms of mechanics and so on, uh, let's talk about the, those significant differences. This was the game that was changed the most from Bare Knuckle 3 to Streets of Rage 3. So the first one, the one that I knew about quite a while ago, is uh, the very first mini-boss uh, has been pretty much... Is he excised or replaced in the... He is replaced by Brooklyn's... Uh, uh, generic criminal scum. That's right, a boatload. So the first mini-boss... Um, Ash, in the Japanese version, is a horrific uh, sort of homosexual stereotype wearing a sort of peak leather cap and tight sort of hot pants and he's got a big moustache. Is censoring that 
not more horrific? Uh, th- the thing is, I think it could be very offensive to any speedboat driving homosexuals <laughs> that we are living <laughs> on this year and just everyday kind of situations. I think, I think those people would have been very upset by it. I think it it's so absurd that I don't think it would have offended anyone. I think I think the thing is I I suspect that the without meaning to cast aspersions, I suspect that the designers and programmers of the game were being hilariously homophobic. Um but I think that the the way it comes across is just naive and a bit stupid. And See, crass. I was going to say quite the opposite. That I think they were trying to be inclusive, but not quite getting how to be inclusive. <laughs> Do you think? I yeah. Think, I th- personally, I think it's more that they just didn't care quite so much about stereotypes. You know, like Japanese yeah. culture tends to yeah. kind of gloss over what uh, some people in the in the West would think is offensive. There, yeah. indeed, there are a lot of uh, appalling what we would say were appalling. Uh, stereotypes in in Japanese games of all kinds, and this is one of those. Uh, it is the, his animation is absolute. Like they've really gone to town on his sort of mincing and flouncing, and um, he really does stand out. But I can understand why Sega of Europe decided to get rid. But I think it's the kind of thing that I know if I, I know you know this isn't justification, but if I showed it to gay friends, I think they'd just laugh at it. I don't think they'd be like horribly upset or hurt by by it they'd just be like what the fuck is that rubbish um but beyond that uh so the original story apparently is is deeper and darker than the the usual version so the the previous story is pretty much uh just revenge and and uh releasing captured friends uh, and things like that uh, yeah, but well, in this game, I mean the first, the first uh, we should get a quick run down the stories. I think you know, like the, <laughs> the, first, the first game the was basically just that a criminal organisation had taken over, and That's the right. police couldn't do anything about it. So the three protagonists, Axel, Adam, and Blaze, quit the force and decided to take him down by themselves. Go for Because Hagger wasn't available. Yeah, yeah, Hager I mean, was busy. Basically, the kind of thing that works perfectly well in real life. The second one was you'll have to correct me on this if I'm wrong, but it was basically just a retelling. They kidnapped Adam. Adam and yep. that was probably the only difference in the entire story. Yeah. They decided to so go out and kick some ass again. You release Adam out of a cupboard at the end, that's it, basically. Yeah. And then yeah. And suddenly we get this hug. world conspiracy theory with cutscenes for the third game. Yeah, so I didn't really pay any attention whatsoever to the... Uh, I think, in fact, I think when I played it through recently, I probably played the Japanese version, so I wasn't able to read the cutscenes anyway. Um, so... Roughly, what, what's the bare outline of, of, of each and what are the differences? The European one is basically uh, Mr. X is trying to take over from beyond the grave as a brain, as far as I remember. And he's trying to replace the chief of police with uh, an android. <laughs> it's something like that. Holy shit. Excellent. I played it That's just fine. last That's month. That's all we needed to know. That's all the detail we need. Um, so it's, it's kind of, you know, comic book video game nonsense in, in the Western version. Yeah, and what well, is and it pretty much is in the in the Japanese version too. It's just that okay. so you rep- played a a a, a hacked um, like you played the Japanese version with an official uh, or sorry an unofficial English translation. Uh, it's actually semi-official. They've, semi-official. Um, yeah, they've they got the okay from one of the original script editors to do it. So all right, okay. So yeah, it's an official uh, IPS patch that you can get for uh, the Japanese game. So yeah, you can try that. And but the uh, Axel being a, a fake version is quite a large part of the story in the Western release. Is that right? Probably. 
You do have to fight Axel at one point, but if you're Axel himself, I don't remember exactly how much that kind of cuts into the... Oh yeah, he's a robot, isn't he? He gets punched in at some point, doesn't he? And he's a... And a stage three, I believe. Yeah. But as you say, that has like relevance to the story in that mm. they're going to replace the, the police team. Like, not only are they going to replace the, the general, but they're going to replace like all of the team with these androids and and what have you. And it's all going to plan out like that. But in the it's Japanese. It's more like way, an anime then rather than a, just a, a standard video game. It's more like something you might find in a relatively low quality. It's the kind of Japanese thing that animated. a criminal mastermind would dream up while just absolutely out of his face on drugs. Mm, mm. Yeah. Or, or or after he'd just been smashed out of a window. See, I think with the Western release, what they were trying to do was get this... Because um, the, the cloned Axel has no relevance to the plot of the Japanese game whatsoever. And I think maybe the US translators were trying to think of a way to sort of shoehorn it into the rest of the story, but then had to make plot holes in the rest of the story in order to retcon that in somehow. Right. It's... um. Yeah, the, the Japanese one's a lot more about the bombs being everywhere and mm. and about the uh, the dichotomy of like Zan being this sort of like turned guy from the other side. It's a bit more sort of Metal Gear Solid esque. Okay. You know, like Metal Gear Solid Three, where the um, where the inventor of the nuclear bomb mm-hmm. is part of the plot and that kind of thing. It's very yeah. much like that, where Zan is the uh, the inventor of the thing that's making the bombs go off and. It's just a bit deeper and darker, okay. as you say. It's like Police Noughts or The Snatcher. Well, maybe not. But, uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's just an... Int- we, you know, we don't want to get t- too bogged down in it. But it's interesting that that's that they obviously decided, uh, Sega of America and or Europe, independently obviously decided that uh, we couldn't cope with this. Or maybe it was a certification issue. Maybe there were elements of it that they felt would have... Um, warranted getting a higher certificate and they wanted to keep it available to a wider audience, I'm not sure. I think sure. maybe the nuclear allegory may have proved a problem in the States as well. Yeah. A lot of yeah. things were, were changed. A lot of animes were changed that had that as a sort of overt reference. Mm. In fact, most animes in the 80s had that yeah. as an overt reference. And the game did have like multiple endings depending on whether you could finish the game in time and stuff like that. Yeah, that's an interesting element as well. Just, I don't know how many different endings there are, but... There's um, three or four. Three or four, yeah. So that's three, or, two or three more than the pre, uh, Streets of Rage 1 um, and they also mucked around with the colours for no apparent reason absolutely no reason the, Sega is actually quite bad at this like um, Blaze's kind of like iconic dress is red and for this one they decided to make it silver for no reason <laughs> Axel's uh, white t-shirt was uh, evidently too manly or whatever so they made it yellow for no reason yeah. and like they do this kind of thing in other games as well like Virtua Fighter 4 okay if you look at the original Western release of Virtua Fighter 4, there's a character called Vanessa that's uh, it's a black female bodybuilder. Mm. And her original costume has got her in, like, Valetude outfit, like uh, the bacon shorts and uh, cropped up. Mm. And then, for no reason, in the re- release of uh, Evolution, which is kind of like the next game in that series, yep. they replaced that uh, first outfit with a colour uh, change of her second outfit from the first game. It's just really, really strange, meaningless changes that they continue to do. Because it's not like there weren't. It's not like a sort of censorship issue because there are other characters wearing, you know, skimpy outfits or it's, whatever. It's, it's just pure. They, they released that first one, but then they decided that uh, a black muscular woman was too risky for the game. Yeah, it, Very it, strange. it makes no sense. Hmm. Sega yeah. did have a reason 
for Streets of Rage 3's character palette swaps. Um, but it doesn't really ring true, I don't think. It's a very 90s reason. They say it's because it's inverted commas gender neutral. <laughs> they wanted to go for more gender neutral outfits for the characters. And it's like, well, see. hang on, that, but we're used to these characters. That's what they wear. It's, I don't see how a silver dress is any more gender neutral than a red one or a yellow t-shirt is more gender neutral than a white one. It doesn't really... Yeah, I mean, really if, the, if they really figure. wanted gender neutral, they could have just put every character on white, you know? And and here's something, okay? Although they sense all that, if Axel grabs Blaze from behind, he's still grabbing our breasts. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Oh, unless his arms are reaching up to the shoulders. Hmm. I seem to remember what was the same. Like, uh, one of my friends kind of pointed out before I started, and I was like, hmm. And I seem to remember that happening in the third game as well, so... Because I, th- I think the I think the shoulders thing was in the first game. You may be right. Yeah, we need to zoom in on these images more. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's like the old days of pausing a game just <laughs> when you can see a bit of Chun Li's pants, or pausing neighbours when Jane bends over. That sounds so much like it was directly taken from personal experience. <laughs> Very there nearly. No, there is no denying that. <laughs> now. <clears throat> Okay, I think it's high time we heard from some of our forumites. No emails this issue. Uh, I guess, again, unsurprisingly, uh, obviously it's a very different game from a different time to Bioshock, but similarly uh, fond memories, albeit, um, you know, it's perhaps not as, uh, <clears throat> there's not as much uh, of, of substance to get into, but just as importantly, there's enormous amounts of affection and nostalgia and memory for the game. Alex79UK says, I never played the first Street to Rage game when it was first released, but once I'd bought a Mega Drive, I borrowed the second game from a friend. My brother and I probably played this game, along with Super Mario Kart, more than any game back then. Everything about it was brilliant. The characters, the music, the graphics, the special moves. I don't think it could ever get better, but then they released the third game in the series, and once again we were blown away. It was bigger, brighter and better. Me and my brother were also really pleased with the fact that we worked out how to unlock Rue and Shiva as playable characters completely by accident. Eventually, I did own the trilogy for myself, and I wish I'd held on to my originals. Alas, I sold them a few years back. I know the third game commands quite a decent price on eBay these days. I still play the games with my son on the PS3 Sega collection disc. They're just as playable nowadays as back then. I don't think the scrolling beat-em-up has ever really evolved in the way other genres did, and so these games are probably as relevant now as they ever were beat him up perfection as far as I'm concerned. So Alex, possibly the only person I've ever heard of who genuinely feels that Streets of Rage 3 is, you know, bigger, better and brighter than the second game. Yeah, it's not imposs- impossible because, I mean, it did have a lot of different stuff. It's just that it vibed the wrong sure. way for a lot of players. Yeah. The Eidolon, named after a classic mid-80s LucasArts game. Streets of Rage 2 is often remembered as one of the best games of the whole 16-bit era, and rightly so. It remains highly playable and entertaining to this very day, and the substantial fan community which has built up over the past 10 years is a testament to that. Just check out soronline.net, all one word apart from the .net bit. SOR online, I mean. Not only is there a plethora of fan-made sequels, remakes of the three original games, but also dozens of ROM hacks allowing for playable custom characters in the Sega originals, novels, comics, and lots more. The group of This group of fans is determined to carry the torch and keep it flame until Sega finally pull their fingers out and create an official follow-up. Streets of Rage 2 was easily the standout title. One had a great soundtrack and atmosphere, but didn't age well compared to its superior sequel, which was essentially a remake anyway. <laughs> 
Three was a disappointment in many aspects, from the inferior dubstep-like soundtrack, the heavily nerfed Western storyline, the Japanese original was about nuclear terrorism, and Western palette changes, excellent yellow shirt... It did, however, provide some technical advances such as the ability to dash and roll extra moves, etc. But it wasn't enough for Sega to discontinue factory production of the game in 1995, which is why it fetches a pretty price on eBay nowadays. Seems like in uh, Mr. Eidolon we have somebody who also knows his stuff, back to front and inside out, uh, a welcome addition to the Kane and Rince community. Um, interesting talk, uh, he makes the comment, you know, the almost throwaway, like uh, until Sega finally pull their fingers out and create an official follow-up. Um, we'll talk a bit about their attempts at doing so, but I often come across this sort of uh, that sort of attitude that it is just a case of Sega deciding to make Streets of Rage four, and it will be amazing. Um, I don't think that necessarily. I, th- I think I think as me- we'll see when we come to the later attempts that. Yeah, it's not as simple as all that, is it? And exactly. the same with the Final Fight series. Like, if you look at Final totally. Fight Streetwise, it it was never oh, going to. It, it just doesn't work. But the brawler doesn't work in that space. Even, but. but even Final Fight Two and Final Fight Tough weren't as good as as Final Fight. You know, so um, you know, it's it's just not. Lightning doesn't always strike. And my main thing is, you know, we're so much about giving credit where it's due in the show. Obviously, it's very hard with this game and games of this era and, and so on for the reasons we discussed, because you can't actually credit many of the people involved. But maybe that particular group of people were just, it's like a perfect storm. It's like, you know, sometimes I've made this analogy before, but it's like when a particular group of musicians gets together and makes amazing music that their their solo or separate projects and never come anywhere close to. I have to um, say personally that I think if you give it Arc System Works and don't make it 2D, you would have a fucking Stormin game. Uh, the, the guys who did the hardcore. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yes, there are people yeah. that could do it. I think so, yeah. Um, but the thing is, we'd played dozens of these games back then. And the same as now, we've played dozens of first-person shooters. Like, there is just a sort of a cycle where th- the type of game runs out in your kind of enthusiasm for the genre, I suppose. Yeah, and also, yeah, some some sometimes a genre just peaks. I mean, uh, maybe it's maybe this is a genre where the 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 apex is clearer than almost any other genre. Although I think fans of uh, Alien vs Predator and The Punisher and things like that may argue that they are you know close to, if not better than Streets of Rage two in quality. But I think. So many people would say that Streets of Rage 2 is the best brawler. Um, that it's interesting. There's there's probably not many other genres where one game could be held up and you can just say definitively, like, yeah, that's the best one. Just Especially play that a one. home game. It was a genre that we knew from the arcades. Again, Absolutely. I think that's why it tied into what mm. we liked in the late 80s, early 90s so much, is that we knew this from the arcades. We went there with our friends and played these games. This was yeah. one that you could play at home and was only for home. Yeah. So maybe that's part of the whole sort of magic of the series I think so I'm inter- uh, I'm glad someone mentioned the ROM hacks because I loaded up my copy of I do own uh, an original copy of Streets of Rage 2 but I do have a ROM version that I hacked many years ago to have Street Fighter 2 characters Yeah, and I when see. I loaded it up yesterday to play it I'd forgotten that I'd done that and it was like ah, what's going on <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at, at, at uh, Streets of Rage Online, that very site, and um, like one of the most recent updates from this year is they they, they keep adding new characters to yeah. these ROM hacks. It's still this 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 uh, community is is still thriving. We've we've 
been uh, receiving retweets and stuff from uh, Streets of Rage online this week. Obviously, they've got wind of the fact that we're doing this. Um, I think their their sort of their twi- uh, Twitter feed on their homepage just searches for any mention of Streets of Rage, so they've obviously got wind of this. Hopefully, some of them are listening in. Um, hi, everyone. We love your work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, really, a name for it as well. Tweets of Rage. Tweets of Rage is very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just the fact that it, it, it continues to thrive is, is really cool. Um, even, yeah, and even in the direct opposition of Sega. I mean, there was an Ultimate Streets of Rage remake uh, just not that long ago, possibly last year, I think it was released. Mm. And Sega stepped in as soon as it was finished, after eight years of work, to shut yeah. it down. I so think I would they not when it was recommend finished. that you go into Google and look for it. I would not yeah, recommend that you download do that. it and have do a great time. Yeah, because yeah, you don't want to play 91 stages of great Streets of Rage remake. Exactly, like, and all this remix music, you know. You, why would you do I that? Think, Just don't do it. I think they had to leave it until it was finished, though, because like they have to protect their, uh, their IP. Their IP. Yeah. yeah. But I think they wanted this game out there, which is why they waited until it was finished and that enough people are now making it available to others mm. so that they don't have to outright say, no, we don't want this to happen, which is not what they wanted, but they can but- still release the Streets of Rage in the future. Yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole thing, isn't it? When a, when a company is sitting on an IP and not doing anything with it, yeah. Surely, the projects like this are only sort of um, it was so well creating... known. It got to version five by the time they yeah. actually stopped it. So if they'd wanted to, I think they would have done it before, like before version one was even released, when the word was out and people were talking about it as this the hubbub was around on the internet. So yeah. So basically, just to summarise that, buy the Sega Vintage Collection, but do not look on Google for a fantastic game. Yeah, you don't. I, you don't. Have, you don't have to worry about that. I basically, I think anyone who's ever paid for paid money to Sega for any download or cartridge version of Streets Rage Two is, in my book, completely entitled to go and get you know re, reboots, ROM hacks, whatever. You know, yeah. I think I think that's fine. I don't have a problem with that at all. I think I've bought Streets of Rage Two at least four times, so I've got no qualms about playing an emulated version or or a hacked version or reboot or remake or whatever. I've also bought some really bad versions, so I think for the fact that I've bought good versions and bad versions from Sega, I'm allowed to well, have, have played, one in the yeah, middle somewhere. We we got we got shafted with with twenty percent slow versions with with huge fat borders as well so yeah fuck them Andy Kurosaki says Streets of Rage 2 is quite possibly the best scrolling beat-em-up ever made I missed out on it first time around what with only having a SNES playing it co-op on Mania with my mate for the first time was an experience I won't forget brilliant combat and excellent soundtrack a timeless classic Stricken MCQ. I have happy memories of Streets of Rage 2 on the Mega Drive. What a game. And co-op too. Me and my mates wasted most of our late teens playing this to death. Never did own a copy, but it made for great after-pub entertainment at my friend's house. Steer clear of the iOS version of Streets of Rage 2 if you have adult-sized thumbs. Steer clear of the iOS version of any side-scroller that uh, requires a virtual stick. I was going to say any 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 iOS game that has a virtual on-screen pad, pretty much. Um, there are exceptions, but generally, it's a good rule of thumb to live your life by. I did um, get it when it went free, just for the have, having the soundtrack on my iPod Touch that's ver- to, that's to listen to on point. the sound test. Although yeah, it's not that- a very good emulation of the sound either. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I actually looked at some screenshots uh, on. Uh, Games Press, and they were from the iOS version, and the, the on-screen controls are enormous. They're all over the <laughs> graphics as well. So, yeah. Uh, Dom's Beard. Being a SNES owner in the early 90s and a big arcade fan, 
This sounds like Carl's story. I thought Final Fight and my SNES was the be-all and end-all. I even saved up my pocket money to get Final Fight Guy as he was who I played in the arcade, so I was gutted when he was ditched. I was at a friend's one day and he said, Try this, it's brilliant. From the opening, I was hooked on Streets of Rage 2 and wanted a Mega Drive desperately. Yeah, it was a system seller, wasn't it? I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. uh, hearing these comments. I even walked an hour through the snow to my mate's house to borrow his Mega Drive one Christmas as he was going away. I must have played it through dozens of times using only Axel, not really liking the others, and trying to do it in one continue. It even got as bad as me getting up at 6am for a playthrough before school. Why did I like the game so much? The moveset and levels were well thought out and individual, varied and excellent enemies, and possibly one of the greatest gaming soundtracks of the 16-bit era. The, that boss music now even makes me turn up my TV loud and take my time taking the boss out. I always have to finish them off with the Dragon Punch special or the Where's the Car <laughs> uppercut. Didn't like one, and the fact that there was a kangaroo in three put me off. that's it, just the kangaroo, that's enough. Yes, now you're just getting yes, ridiculous. <laughs> Best game ever. It'd be interesting to see the Australian sales for Streets of Rage 3. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. There have been enough bears in fighting games, but not well, so many. Only really rooms. Tekken, isn't it? And Streets of Rage are the ones that come to mind. Fight, fighting Vipers has Kumachan. Oh, of course, bear. yes. And Bloody Roar. I was more about just kangaroos in particular. Do you reckon bears play it and they're like, at last? <laughs> You've held us down too long. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Leddy 83 he says I found at least the first two in the series formative to the standards I hold on what makes a classic game I have no hesitation in saying that these games excel with local multiplayer personally that involved highly sexed mates more concerned with grabbing my blaze character for the distinctive co-op move animations much more than actually making progress we'd play the first game on a whim just to mess about having already completed the game in excess of probably 50 times I'm noticing a pattern here among our correspondents and <laughs> all of us <laughs> Just a game that you can just play over and over again. Mike continues, it just didn't get boring. Perhaps the car animation became a chore over time. The fresh meat of Streets of Rage 2 started the spiral over again, and whilst whilst less rotated scrolling fighters like Golden Axe, Alien Storm and Pit Fighter <coughs> never dr- managed to hold our interest for more than an hour, we'd throw Streets of Rage 2 in and maybe play a few completions easily in an afternoon. It's tragic, but even the Adam to skate change became such a talking point that we'd theorise on a regular basis. Sessions in private between other mates would be scorned upon as friendship breaking, with those owning a copy of either game being flourished with social opportunities and living as a Mr. X of sorts. Unfortunately, the hype for the third game felt unjustified, and although we gave it a number of chances, it simply never clicked and fell out of rotation quickly. If anything, we were quite likely spoilt by the second game. With the benefit of emulation, I'm now able to see the best of the arcade scroller from that time with games like Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. I forgot to mention that one earlier. That's a great game. Alien vs. Predator and the Dungeons and Dragons series, all Capcom. But despite huge advancements on the formula of Streets of Rage 2, I simply can't push higher than a couple of completions, despite their obvious quality. The first and second of Sega series may be a product of the times, but even on a recent solo play, I still feel a little bit of the magic. Yeah. I still feel Absolutely. a little bit more than a little bit of the magic. Yeah, there's a lot of it. Just playing it today, I, pl- I booted up various versions and played little bits and bobs just for a refresher. I've completed them umpteen times, as we all have, as have all our correspondents. Um, I, it's, I still find it really hard to turn them off. You know, you just get into that rhythm, that beautiful feeling. I'm, I'm so, I know those levels and the exact points that the enemies come in now, inside out. Um, 
I've always had this weird thing with Sega games where even though like over the years I'd probably say that I think like Nintendo are the best games designers and like I would probably hold certain Zelda games and certain Mario games above certain Sega games not that this whole Nintendo Sega thing is relevant anymore but it's always the Sega games that I complete over and over and over again I don't know what it is they they were I think it's the arcade heritage I know Nintendo have the arcade heritage but Mm. Not to, not in the not, same way. Not in the same way as Sega. It's no, the length, I, isn't it? I think as, as much as anything. Just like you know that if you put on Sonic or Golden Axe or Streets of Rage, you can you can play for forty minutes to an hour and see the end. I suppose. And Sega and Nintendo had that home game market sold up. The longer experiences that you like, say your Zeldas and your Metroids that you play for hours and hours and hours. They did have those, but they were never going to be as good. It's mm. about the the short term experiences that you can like cane and rinse. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> rinse and repeat. Nice. Uh, so I was also put to thinking about um, just how many times these games have come out again, because uh, I felt like it was loads, but it wasn't actually as much as I thought. So uh, I remember the second time I bought Streets of Rage was on the Mega Games 2 cartridge, uh, which was a European compilation, which consisted of Streets of Rage, uh, Revenge of Shinobi, and... Columns? Oh No, that was on the first one. Ah, gotcha. The first one was Columns... World Cup Italia World 19. Cup Italia 19 and... Uh, Super no. Hang On? No, Road Rage no, is no, EA. Super Hang On, you're right, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Road Rush. Road, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, Road Rush is EA. Uh, they, they did, they did, EA did do some multi-carts for Mega Drive, didn't yeah. they? They did a Madden and NHL one, but... Did no, they do a double was, Desert Strike and Sega. Jungle Strike at one point? But something that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a six-pack cart in the US um, in 95, which included Streets of Rage, amongst other things. Um, Dan, you played the Sega Smash Pack on the Dreamcast? Uh, yeah, I wish I hadn't. The, it, the sound emulation is horrible. Yeah, I've heard bad things. Uh, Sega's own attempt at bringing Mega Drive games to the Dreamcast was a, basically a failure. Yeah, although I suppose it was not difficult to emulate. I suppose they could have copied a PC emulator, but I suppose they wanted to do it in-house and... Yeah, it's not a great version. If you want to play Streets of Rage 2, don't go for that one. <laughs> Especially if you're emulating the Dreamcast to then emulate the... Yeah, don't, don't no, go don't, through that there's, there's plenty of other ways, uh, such as the Sonic Gems collab- Collection. Um, the Streets of Rage trilogy appeared, but only on the Japanese versions um, due to age justification. So the Sonic Gems Collection was was pretty, pretty much worth having at the time because it had Sonic CD uh, for... PS2, GameCube, and Xbox in this in this country in Europe, and Sonic uh, the Fighters, which you couldn't get anywhere else. At the Sonic time. the Fighters, which you couldn't get at the time, which isn't very good, but you can now buy it for 400 Microsoft points uh, or four quid, I think, on PSN. Um, but yes, that had Streets of Rage trilogy on it, obviously uncensored and NTSC in the Japanese version. Then came the Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection. Uh, Actually, that was after the standalone download releases for PSN and XBLA, um, but by the same people, Backbone Entertainment. I went back to the Backbone Entertainment uh, Streets Rage 2 version today, and it's really bad. I didn't notice at the time because I hadn't played it for years, but you compare it to the M2 version, the Sega Vintage Collection version, and it's slow as hell, it's stodgy, it's fuzzy looking, um... Yeah, the the version on the disc is better. The version on Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection or Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection runs a little better uh, than the standalone download. Um, but the only version you can get for PS3 off the disc is that that 2007 Backbone version, and it's it's really poor, which is shit because it's running on a PS3 for fuck's sake. 
disappointing. Uh, then there were the Wii Virtual Console releases, which you mentioned. They all came out in 2007. It's the PAL version. They each cost 800 Wii points or £5.60 in real money. Or probably twice what a cartridge of Streets of Rage 1 or 2 cost in a second-hand shop in the UK in yeah, 2007. <laughs> that is, of course, the other option. But, of course, if you do go and buy a Mega Drive or a Mega Drive and, and carts in a shop, you'll be getting inferior versions because you'll be getting the PAL versions. But you will but be... Again, if you do over here on the Wii Virtual Console, you will. So. Yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You'll be getting what you remember anyway. Um, <laughs> Unless you played it properly in the day. We've mentioned the iOS versions. Um, they're also on Steam, uh, and I think that's the same Backbone versions. But the version you should buy and play, and I keep saying this on the forum, and I'll say it on, I've said it on Twitter, and I'll say it again. The Sega Vintage Collection Streets of Rage trilogy by developer M2 is the best way to pay for and play this game. I'm talking away from unofficial emulation uh it's a fantastic set isn't it i've heard you mention this time and again leon and from the day it was released and obviously this week i decided to go and buy that one in particular for this podcast and m2 have done such a good job and for the price of 800 microsoft points yeah which is yeah yeah, you're getting the whole trilogy and then as you say each regional version of them is so much cheaper than the other versions and so much better it's I mean, for that yeah. price, it's absolutely incredible value for money. I was comparing, I was playing uh, the Streets of Rage 2 via the Fusion emulator and the M2 emulation, and they are indistinguishable. Um, but obviously, the the XBLA version comes with 400 points worth of achievements, which are fun to get, online play, leaderboards, uh, a nice front end, some extra tunes for the menus and stuff like that. Um, it doesn't have sort of concept art or anything like that i don't think but it does have the duke box um yeah m2 basically are piss all over backbone entertainment when it comes to doing emulation they've done all of the recent compilations for the X, uh, for xbla um they've done the monster world one and the oddments one with revenge of shinobi and the uh tojamino one and there's another one i can't think of right now golden axe of course um m2 are the team behind weirdly they made the excellent version of gunstar heroes for the game gear they also made the fantastic version of gauntlet for the mega drive gauntlet 4 was that Um, them yeah that was them oh wow yeah that's an amazing uh amazing gauntlet game possibly the best gauntlet in some ways uh they also did the gradius parodius and salamander collections for the playstation portable and they did gradius and contra and castlevania rebirth for WiiWare, which are all worth checking out for retro fans and they did a load of the sega ages 2500 series in japan uh basically m2 are japanese and uh, detail focused and they know their shit and Backbone Entertainment are it's lazy hats the, the, the difference is quite clearly that Backbone are all about business and M2 are all about love and care so yeah. and, and it shines yeah, through and uh, some of the stuff that they've got as you said on their catalogue of work is just some of the best best work around it's it's really hard to stress to people without you know I know it's the sort of thing that can annoy and probably doing it now but whatever uh it's when you just when you say to somebody you know oh you remember Streets of Rage and they remember playing it on a PAL bordered slow 20% slow version ROM they probably don't care that you know they're probably thinking I don't really care which version I get you know to download now Um, the good thing is that the crappy version has been removed from XBLA uh, but it's still there on on PS3 Uh, but the, the the difference in quality is so stark 
It's so, you know, if you play them side by side, it's night and day. One of these games is absolutely amazing. One of them is a bit like... It mm. makes you want to sit someone down, doesn't it, and go, look, that's the yeah. difference. Yeah. Yeah. Hectoring them like a game snob should in this lengthy trilogy show. Sequels. There were some, but they didn't really happen. Dan. <laughs> right. So, so, um, so yeah. Sega famously started work at least twice. At least twice? Uh, Maybe three, three times? Three times. Yeah, definitely three times. There was okay. the first time on the Saturn with mm-hmm. um, Judgment Force by... Judgment Force. Yeah, by uh, Core. Core design of yeah. Derby, England. Yeah. And, like, no one knows when it was dropped as being a Streets of Rage 3D. The character, the main character's name in the game is Hawk, which was Axel's name in the original Bare Knuckle Beta. And if you look at, say, the opening level, especially in what it became, Fighting Force, where the characters <laughs> have the same outfits, it's, it's very much, it was meant to be a Streets of Rage sequel, just rebranded when Sega said, actually, no, thanks, that doesn't really work. And it this went to a- PlayStation and N64 instead, so. Yeah, this is an early example. I think it came to Saturn as well, didn't it? I think there was a Saturn version. Um, but this is an early example of, of us seeing a Japanese developer doing what we've seen a lot more of in, in this, this generation of going to Western developers to reboot their franchises. Uh, and on this occasion, it, it didn't come to fruition. It was no DMC. I think that was, that wasn't way. that a case uh, of Sega America not really understanding what it was all about and just simply passing on, unaware of you know, the impact and legacy that, that Streets of Rage actually had. Could well be. They must have made a lot of money out of Streets of Rage, though. You would have thought so, you but, thought. you know, companies are always full of stupid decisions. But also, playing, what, playing Fighting Force, you can understand why someone might say, no, this isn't what the players want. It's, yeah. It's not Who the played same Fighting thing. Force? I only ever played a demo, and, and I thought it was rubbish. But um, I had the whole game, and I took it as a, a an unofficial sequel to Streets of Rage, and enjoyed it more than... I, I've now uh, subsequently enjoyed Streets of Rage 3. Any so. idea who did the music? Um, it, no, but it was by Western composers. It's, the, the music's not as good, mm. but it is... It, I mean, it's on a CD, so you're not going to have that same uh, sort of chippy quality to it. Because it was around the same time as Tomb Raider, and of course that had a fantastic Nathan McCree soundtrack, but obviously it's nothing like you'd want from a Streets of Rage game. Yeah, so. no doubt. I don't think they would have got the contract to make a Streets of Rage 3D if it hadn't have been for Tomb Raider. I think that's kind of yeah, where. of course, okay. Because obviously sense. that was meant to come out on the Saturn first, and ended up coming out on the PlayStation. It was meant to be an exclusive. Yeah, and- the showcase Saturn game, which turned out to perform better on the rival. Yeah, which again could partly be why Sega said, "Actually, no, we don't really want you doing our <laughs> Streets mm. of Rage 3D." Thank you. Mm. Um, I played the uh, the beta version of Judgment Force on the on a Saturn emulator. How good is it? Uh, it's a bit worse than Fighting Force. I don't think <laughs> wow. it's Fighting Force without a lot of the graphical <laughs> effects having been implemented and things like that. And it's it's not a full game. Uh, but the interesting thing is, Judgment Force goes straight from the opening area fighting in the streets to you're suddenly in a building that looks like the buildings that are always at the end of Streets of Rage games. Right. It's almost like it was made as a kind of a, a vertical slice and yeah. then ended up becoming the full game as Fighting Force. <laughs> <laughs> Very odd little thing. That sounds but, entirely feasible. But then Sega were working on their own sort of version at the time, weren't they, with uh, Dynamite Decker? Dynamite Decker, which uh, we know as Die Hard Arcade, thanks to their license from whichever movie company, Paramount, is it, make the Die Hard Fox. Movies? 
Fox? Yeah. Is that Paramount as well? I don't know. Anyway. Um, it's Paramount that we find out. <laughs> it's Fox. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, a uh, reasonably well-received game. Um, I, I remember seeing at the arcade, I never owned the Saturn version. Uh, it was a reasonable port because, was it STV hardware at the arcade? Um, I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah, was. which was basically Saturn arcade with a bit more RAM in it, I think, wasn't it? Um, in the same way as Naomi was Dreamcast at the arcades. Super Dreamcast. Yeah. So, uh, Dynamite Decker, who played that? I did. What do you reckon? Uh, no strong feelings about it. It just kind of did the job as a brawler, and that's about it. Not a worthy successor to Streets of Rage? Definitely not for me. Didn't okay. have the charm, it didn't have the impact. It was just an early 3D attempt at it. I've played it, um, and my biggest memory was just how incredibly short it was. It, it was about yeah. 40 minutes, and it didn't seem special in any way. I mean, That's fairly standard for an arcade beat-em-up, but when they released it on the Saturn, that was a bit. That was one of the reasons it got such yeah, low reviews. Yeah, I mean, scores, it, it, it was a solid low. enough game, but it was, it was almost over before it had started, and you had so many other great, grander games around that time that it just sort of you know passed by and you can sort of see where the the heritage came from for it you know to be a sort of streets of rage game but it would never have done the job and what people had wanted uh there was a sega had a, another go at a dreamcast streets of rage 4 it possibly involved ancient uh, and yuzo koshiro's music it possibly involved overworks it possibly was developed in the west or possibly it was an amalgamation um but it was as you'd expect, a polygon um, Streets of Rage game. Uh, but it, I guess it just wasn't good enough to continue with development. Have you seen the footage? Uh, I've only seen stills, um, which are ugly. It's not nice. People keep saying, oh, I hope it leaks onto like sites eventually, but no, no, don't look forward to this. Is it? It's kind of like inferior to the Shenmue brawling, presumably. Um, yeah, well, again, it looks similar. more like a sequel to Fighting Force than it does a sequel to Streets of Rage. And with that, they kind of sat on it um, for a while. Uh, Now, there was at least one attempt at a reboot more recently, and let's hear from our correspondent, Ryan Astley, uh, from the forum, uh, a working video game designer, artist, uh, he says, I had to play through the three Mega Drive games for prep and research for a potential Streets of Rage remake with Ruffian Games. Uh, this is going back like two or three years, I think. It's a shame it didn't take off. Sega were very impressed with what we created in such a short period, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. Uh, he just uh, continues as regards to his love of the franchise. I always loved the first two games in the series. Streets of Rage 2 stood out the most years ago and especially nowadays the variety of characters the level design and themes make for a top-notch arcade beat-em-up hearing move any mountain through the mega drive sound chip still sounds good uh so that video leaked out i think around christmas time i think gary lidden um who's a name known to old stagers like me um from the uh, zap 64 days who was uh ceo at ruffian possibly still is um, as a little sort of proof of concept video. Um, it didn't look that amazing, but I suppose from the short, again, you know, to, to take Ryan at his word, they didn't work on it for particularly very long. I um, love the, uh, the, the, the love that was clearly put into it. Do you know what I mean? The start yes. where it's... Um, it was affection, loads of yeah, affection. Where it starts off at the pine pot 
but in the arcade machine, then pans out from the arcade, and it's the arcade that is actually the Pine Pot arcade and stuff. It's very cleverly. It would have been a great beginning to a game, at least. Uh, almost finally, thanks for bearing with us, beat 'em up fans. I think if you're still with us, you're definitely a Brawler fan. Um, <laughs> let's quickly talk about some of those remakes. So the first one I became aware of, fan remake, and uh, I was uh, given these on the Dreamcast a while back, Beats of Rage series. It's certainly interesting title because it's when I'm thinking of Beats of Rage, it isn't about a video game. It's about someone having a furiously angry wank. So it's not 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 well, a great fan. Is that just you, that, or is that's that just, that's what I That's immediately why I've always thought of as the name, and it's always one of those <laughs> game names of you know associated with games with it being a fan remake. That's always just the child in me is always giggled. Okay, uh, I've played a little uh, Beats of Rage, and again, there are various sort of versions of it with different sprites and stuff like that. And it and it it plays like a like a Streets of Rage game, uh, with you know different levels and different enemies coming at you in different order. But it doesn't really do anything uh, sort of particularly different. It's you know it's impressive for a fan project. But um, did anyone else play Beats of Rage? Uh... I've only played versions that aren't. Um, Streets of Rage related, like oh, okay. I've downloaded, say, like the uh, the version that was meant to ape the the Turtles game and things like that. Oh, okay, uh, and I think people can tweak how it feels, so it didn't feel to me like Streets of Rage. Right. Uh, so, but I think that I, I don't really, I'm not really into this scene. So, if anyone, if if people from Streets of Rage Online who are sort of into this whole thing uh, want to come back to us and let us know what goes on with all this, I'd be really interested. Um, as I sort of perceive it beats of rage has sort of been supplanted by streets of rage remake as the go-to streets of rage uh play it now fan project hell yeah it's is is it really good yeah have you you not played it no i've only played beats of rage wow right um when we finish this you have to like you have to find it (laughs) it's i I, I think i've got a link right here (laughs) um yeah as darren said earlier it's really really nice it's a, a proper fan-led um love-driven project the even the soundtrack i've always hated the idea of remixes of yuzo kashiro's tracks yeah right it, um this one gets it right they're they're close enough to the originals but with just that bit more edge a slightly nicer sound quality that we'd want nowadays so yeah you have to play it version five is probably the one you're looking for but um version 4 has an entirely different soundtrack so maybe you want to go for both wow okay so there's a lot of it out there and there's lots of mods and you know whatever ways to tweak it and change it and do all that sort of thing uh, it sounds like and 91 levels so <laughs> right a lot okay. to get through it's it's bigger than like all of the streets of rage games plus all of the final fight games put together really does it involve any of the beats of rage people or is it a completely separate project do we know um, no it's by a team called Bomber Games. Um, I don't think they're related to Beats of Rage in any way. Okay. And the last one I've heard of for now is Streets of Rage 4 HD, which is a more recently undertaken and highly ambitious project uh, that I don't believe is available to play at this point. I think it might be one of those vaporware fan projects, but I, like, I'm not casting aspersions or anything, but there are a lot of fan remakes that you see and they look awfully impressive but then it either comes to nothing or they get a cease and desist um mm. and i'm not sure that sega would let this one go even having let a big one that had been worked on for many years slip through the net 
almost. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that they'd let someone else do the same thing, especially with the name Streets of Rage 4 HD. Like, they're both terms that Sega might want to use if they ever did reinstate the franchise. So. Yes, yeah. Actually, I'm looking at some screenshots here. There is a playable demo you can download. Uh, it's an 11 meg zip, so I guess it's not a very long demo. Um depending on how zipped that is. Uh, looking at the art, I, I guess if, if this sounds really cruel because it's, you know, it's a million times better than anything I could ever do. The background art is pretty good, um, but the sprites, the sprite art is not... Yeah, I didn't like the look of it. ...is not fantastic. Um, but overall, the overall look is not a million miles away from what Darren was suggesting the Arc System Works do, but their sprites would look infinitely better. Um, but yes, just Google Streets of Rage. And again, it's uh, early days, so like the artwork's yeah. obviously like not yeah, totally. entirely finished. So. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't mean to disparage anyone's work, because I just love any project like this, because it's it's inspirational, but um, but I would, yeah, I would be more inclined to play it if the, those sprites had a little bit more uh, polish to them. Perhaps look a bit more cel-shaded, rather than like um, sort of filled in updates of the original sprites if you see what i mean time for some three word reviews i think we had a few uh can you fellas help me with this of course let's start with dan and then darren and then carl and then me in that order please white spider zero says best brawler ever and that's streets of rage 2 big man finale says freaking boxing kangaroo streets of rage 3 cool stream in the bar streets of rage 2 yeah, he's referring to his love for the tune that plays uh, in the Possibly bar, my favourite sort of tune in the game the as well. Piano it's tune. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Is it? There's a slowed down version in the uh, unused Jazz tracks. Version. Yes, well, there is, yeah. There is, yeah. Uh, Follow My Ruin. Uh, this is, brings up a one brief talking point. He says, Axel, less jump. Uh, yeah, he says that he never understood the sort of star gradings for the characters on the you know when you on the character select um i just wanted to explain to follow my ruin that it basically means that axel has less jump because his jump is less, less high yeah. it's less high yeah <laughs> especially in the first game uh, where his axel's jump is absolutely pathetic it's more of a knee drop um a very low one um yeah it's just to give you when you're first playing an idea of what they're good at that's all. So, like, Blaze jumps way higher and longer than Axel does. That's all it and means. When it's people firing projectiles, projects. it really does make a difference. Yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Hope that helps. <laughs> Alex Shaw says, Outfights Final Fight. Brian Astley says, Move Any Mountain, which is in reference to the soundtrack. Streets of Rage 2. Yeah, that track's called something else, isn't it? Yeah, I think we should point out uh, on behalf of Yuzo Koshiro and his lawyers, that it's not actually Move Any Mountain. <laughs> it is it is basically Move Any Mountain. Right? Shame in that, <laughs> it is, isn't but, it? It, but it isn't. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called in the game. I did check earlier, but anyway. Is it Go Straight? Possibly. If not, I always wondered if that name for a song, which is one of the best-known ones, is Yuzo Koshiro's little joke about the uh, genre as a whole. <laughs> like, Yes, yeah. Is it just like, that's what you do in all these games? You just go straight, like, mm-hmm. it's just a, a walk oh, along, basically. Iconic, the little pointing thing saying, go, ring, ring, ring. There's another go. unused tune of his called Walk Bottom, which I always wondered, is about is that about two people playing where one person goes top and one person goes bottom? Do you know what I mean? So you don't hit yeah, each other yeah. and um, and take damage. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the the fun that could be had. We talk about all these millions of hours of co-op play between us and our uh, correspondents, but we never talked about um, friendly fire, as it were, which is a, a, a real uh, occupational hazard. 
<laughs> Streets of Rage games. Uh, never ending fun. And, of course, eating both chickens before the other person gets their chicken. <laughs> Street no chicken. Reason. Bin absolutely chicken. Mm. Bin chicken. Absolutely no point. Rich Spurs 24. Mega Drive's best. Uh, Geen 82. Best brawler yet. He's optimistic for the future then. Dave S. Cook. Deceptively deep combat. Bad Bonobo. Chicken and Bin. Which I think encapsulates the entire series perfectly. Yep. Yeah. From Streets of Rage Online, greatest brawler ever. As if they were going to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's. I think we've sort of made our our opinions known, but uh, just quickly wrap up, Carl. Yeah, it's uh, Streets of Rage is obviously a, a legendary title, and it'll always go down in history as maybe the most important sort of progressive brawler yet. Um, obviously now with the release of the vintage collection if you've got an Xbox 360 then 800 Microsoft points I can't recommend it enough unfortunately if you're sort of left on the PC or the PS3 you're sort of limited these days to the the ultimate collections which you know it's nice to play the games but quite frankly they're they're not as good so if you do have access to an Xbox 360 then really give the trilogy another go because it might have took them 20 years, but they finally managed to repackage Streets of Rage 2 in a in a collection where it shines as brightly as it once did off for many of us, at least in, in the United Kingdom, better because you've got access to the the far superior versions. The the music's still rather wonderful, even, even in the third one, which is probably my least favourite, yet still has some absolute sterling tracks. The... the the combat is the best, in my opinion, the best it's ever been in Streets of Rage 2 in any brawler. It, it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, I've always been a, a fan of the genre from my days living you know, by the seasides, both north and south of the country, and always having access to an arcade. And, and for me, it's, it's never been better than Streets of Rage. So, you know, get playing the vintage collection. Well said. Darren Foreman. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I can add to that. I mean, if you haven't played these games, even nowadays they hold up perfectly, you know. You might not get that same nostalgic kick, and the experience might be slightly different, but uh, basically it doesn't get better than Street Rage 2 as far as side-scrolling beat-em-ups go. Final Fight was a good alternative, but really Street Rage kind of... It evolved the, the series, and it had just this fantastic music, and basically what I really want out of life just now is this Arc Systems work developed the uh, 2D... <laughs> well, the fourth game, you know? I want the fourth game made by them, and I want to see Axel Stone and Blazefield and take to the Street of Rage again and just smash some punks' faces into phone boxes and then eat chicken from the ruins. Don't we all? Yeah, I could, uh, I could handle that with all the bells and whistles you'd expect from a modern downloadable title. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, um, I can still enjoy the original very much, even though it's... Uh, it's got the the least um, successful, convincing combat um, because I really love some of the tunes in the first game and throwing people over the lift, as I said. Uh, Streets of Rage 2 is absolutely peerless. Uh, there are some games worth playing, particularly on MAME, that are come very close to it in terms of overall um, progressive beat-em-up quality, mostly by Capcom in the 90s. But in terms of a home-only uh, game that you can buy uh, legitimately, Streets of Rage 2 is still the best brawler. 
Um, God hand fans may argue that, um, but I still I've still to play that game properly. Could even be a Kane and Rinch show one day. Uh, Street Rage Three only played it more recently. Don't like the music as much. Don't like the characters as much. Uh, yeah, just a genuine disappointing threequel, uh, the likes of which we've seen throughout video gaming history. It's a real shame. But as Carl says, if you have got an Xbox 360, although you can play this on whatever system, uh, the absolute best way to play the Streets Raid trilogy is via the Sega Vintage Collection. It's 800 Microsoft points, which is under 7 English pounds or about 10 English English dollars? 10 US dollars. Um, If failing that, you should definitely own, whether you've got PC PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360, you should own the Sega Mega Drive collection because even though it's by Backbone, it's got a ridiculous amount of good games on it for whatever you'll pay for it, like £5 or something. Um, so those those are your choices, and I don't mean there are, that it, those are your choices. There's no choice to not play those games. Those are your choices. <laughs> Dan? Um, I can't echo more the sentiments that if you've never played a brawler, this is the one to play. But I will say that if you liked it back in the day, um, and you've never looked into the fan community on uh, soronline.net and and in various places on the web, do go out there and just dig a little deeper. They've got the soundtracks there, and if you've not listened to them outside of the game, give them a listen as albums. They're they're something really fascinating. I've listened to them for years and years, as if they are sort of collections of music rather than a soundtrack to a game. Uh, and try some of the ROM hacks and some of the fan translations and so- stuff like that. Just yeah. If you enjoyed it back in the day and you haven't found anything that matches it, then just go a little deeper on the game you love and and check it out. Yeah, get involved. Uh, yeah, thanks, panel, and thanks to all our correspondents, as ever. Uh, always good to do a game where people are really motivated to chip in. Hopefully there'll be some more of those coming up. We've got StarCraft Two Wings of Liberty up next, uh, followed by I Am Alive, then Bioshock 2, Thanks for all your wonderful feedback about the Bioshock show. It's really gratifying. Uh, the Animal Crossing series, Grand Theft Auto 4 and the episodes from Liberty City, Dark Souls, Metro 2033, which I've just calculated is about a month ahead of the release of Metro Last Light, thanks to the announced release date, which is, I can't remember, April the something, mid-April. That was uh, always May, well planned. Anyway. That we, we... Well, it, it was planned, but then we thought it was going to go tits up uh, because of THQ going tits up but uh, it's it's all come out in the wash and then XCOM Enemy Unknown and I'm hoping that my PC copy will unlock when more people pre-order Bioshock Infinite on Steam thanks if you could get busy doing that that'd be good the full upcoming schedule can be found on the blog at canarince.com where you can also find our quick rinse videos and they're also on our YouTube channel we also have our Twitter feed, of course, at Kane and Rince, and a Facebook page under the name Kane and Rince. Would you believe it? Of course, we are grateful for your support, feedback through iTunes, be it subscriptions, reviews, and or ratings. And check out our periodical downloadable iBook magazine for free from the Apple Store. Join the community on the forum, kaneandrince.com slash forum. Just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Darren Foreman, Carl Moon, and special guest, Sega Boy Dan Clark of the AI Bots. Where can we find your other work? Uh, you can find the AI Bots at theaibots.com, and we're also on Twitter, at theaibots. So, yeah, um, give us a listen if you like. We're another video games podcast. Dunno. They are. They are that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, you should check it out. You've heard Dan. He's awesome. Check him out. 
and Chazzy. Uh, we'll then leave you with some Yuzo Kashiro thumping beats and see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.